But that's two and a half months. It's pretty naughty. Listen, Texas is on on a golf score. You're living in a great place, Texas, Florida. The only thing it offers a little bit more is a lifestyle. Folks, today's guest, special guest. Let me tell you, if if you follow. Uh, mixed martial arts, you know exactly who my guest is. If you don't, let me kind of give you a little bit of perspective of who Bas Ruton or Bas Rutten is. Uh, he was inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame, three times King of Pancreas world champion, finished career with a 22-fight win streak, uh, strike accuracy of 70.6%, highest ever recorded by fight metric, and uh, UFC heavyweight champ, the one and only Bas Ruten on the podcast today. Thank you for being on here today, man. Thank you so much for having yes. me. I mean, I love you guys. It's awesome. Yeah. Great to have you on, man. I, I, I mean, obviously, I've, I've seen your stuff. I've seen your fights. I've, I've followed you. And But when you hear the stories, those are the best parts, right? We had Bo Jackson on one time. And the documentary they made about Bo Jackson. And there are certain figures that they have mythical figures, right? Like there's the stories... And then there's the stories that goes from the stories to the stories to the stories that people are passing on. And they say, Bo, which story is true, Bo? They said you jumped over a 40-foot this, and you did this, and you did that. And Bo has to say, no, this one's not true, but this one is true, but that one is not true. You're the kind of guy that got a lot of stories. Oh, with yeah, you. all the time. And every time it keeps increasing. I fought these three guys one time, and yeah. it became four, and then another guy said, man, I was there when you fought those five them, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it keeps on growing. But in the past, you know, when you're young, you just keep, you go with it, you know, but then now later I go, actually, that was not five. That, that was it, was three. it was three. It was three. Correct. Like fish story. You know, I caught a fish this big. No, it was this big. It was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. no, I arm wrestled a shark, and I beat him, and that's just how it went down. But, boss, like, at, at what I age? Think, at what age did you know, like, you know, you know, like fighting is something. Like I remember I, I asked Tyson. We had him at our event. And Tyson said when the first time he fought, he would fight scared. He said, I punched a guy and I ducked because I was scared. And he says, I saw him on the ground. And he says, he brought his father back. And then his father fought me. And he says, I did the same thing. And I knocked out a 30-year-old man. Yeah. He says, that's when I realized my punch really had weight behind it. When did you know like fighting was your thing to do? You know, not at that moment, but I um, I was very sick as a kid, so I was bullied a lot. I had a horrible skin disease. I was the, the leper in school. That's what they called me. Uh, and needless to say, uh, you know, you start building an aggression towards these bullies because it went on on a daily basis. And then when I was 12 years old, I saw a Bruce Lee movie, sneaked in, started learning martial arts two, two years, actually, to convince my parents. But once I did it for two and a half months, I knocked the first bully out, uh, the biggest one in my school. And that's when I realized, wow, this is actually pretty easy. Because it was Taekwondo what I did. It was only kicking, but somehow I, I knocked him one punch and was out. The problem was he broke his nose in the process. So the police showed up and I confirmed for my mom and dad that it was violence. And so they took me off martial arts. So then I had to wait uh, till I was 20 when I moved out of the house. And that's immediately I started doing karate. So 14, 20, you're doing nothing. Oh, no, I am. Of course, I slipped in, you know, illegally, you know, going to places, watching yeah. videotapes watching books and, and katas and, you know, so I, I was constantly busy with it, but I didn't have any people teaching me. But you would say you were obsessed, like it was an obsession of yours. Immediately, because, you know, once you knock out a guy, it feels really good. And then I went after all the bullies. I made a list with all the guys who had bullied me in the past and I started scratching off. Get out of here. Yeah, no, honestly. Seriously. Yeah. And it was sad because some of them, they they literally said, dude, I, I don't even remember. I go, I, I do remember. <laughs> yeah. This reminds me of two things. Number one, in the movie, uh, Billy Madison, uh, Steve Buscemi had a kill list of whoever he was going to, you know, whoever bullied him. If you ever see, saw Billy Madison, 
Uh, and then thank God Kobe. that. And then the Kobe yeah. list. Kobe said he had a very similar list of guys that were ranked higher than him in high school. And he's like, all right, this is my kill list. 55 of them. Exactly. Because he was ranked the 56th best high school athlete. So one by one by one, he went after all of them. So wow. like when you, when, you, when, when you beat that bully up and you knocked him out, are these bullies kids that you went to school with? So did you go to school or did you go to a park? Like wh where were they? They were in my school. His name was Shaki. He was the biggest bully in my school. He was bullying everybody. So came from a bad family. His brother was in jail for robbery. This so is the Netherlands. That was in the Netherlands, yeah. yeah. So, and it was one punch, like I said. It was it was pretty easy. And then I started going after the bullies, and it was all the time like that. It's just if I connected, when I connected, the fight would be over. And I go, oh, this did, is... Did anybody ever get you or no? Did you ever no. lose in high school? No, I never lost on the street, ever. You, never? Never lost a fight. In your life? In my life, yeah. Bo boss, you've never lost a street fight in your life? No. Yes, I mean, I never lost a street fight in my life. Yes, I should say that. Yeah, true. Nothing. Undefeated wow. in the street. So so let me ask you, like, uh, uh, I guess the, the thing with, you know how they say in Las Vegas, if you ever go to the bar, don't act too hard, you know, because you have no clue. You, you get to, hey, what'd you say? Let me, like, you don't do that in Vegas. You don't do that in San, you don't do that in a lot of cities nowadays. San Diego, you could do that to the wrong guy. But mm -hmm. how many times have people not known who you are? Because you have to know UFC and MMA to know who, if, if you know UFC, MMA, Everybody knows who you are, and the argument has won the greatest of all time, if not the greatest. Those are the arguments you're in when it comes on to a fighter. You're on a lot of different lists. But how often have you gone to a bar where a guy has no clue who you are and they've tested you? I know I've heard the Brian Orlocker story, but yep. like stories like that, do you have a lot of those? No. It, you know, I, I used to, and then I, after the whole Swedish bar fight story that I had with the bouncers, uh, somehow I, nev I never had it anymore. But before that, I would have guys who would see me, they would be drunk, of course, and then I would just call the bouncers. I go, hey, come over here, this guy's an ass. Put him my, I would give him my, uh, my card, you know, and say, hey, tomorrow, if you want to go, you know, we can come to my gym and we can do it with gloves, you know, so nobody gets hurt. But uh, you're not going to come. And they always said they were going to come and nobody ever showed up. And that, it didn't happen a lot, like four times or so. Got it. So, but, but nobody really tested you after they knew who you were. You're saying that one bar fight, they had no clue who you were. and then No, you... they knew who I was and they were known for it. They were, they were calling the, the mafia bouncers. There was, it was a Yugoslavia mob. And somehow they, were, they did that to a lot of people. I what was year was this? What year was this? Oh, it was in 99, 98. And so accidentally they see you at the bar and they know who you are. Told me right away from the get-go to stay calm. Went, went in, started dancing with the people. Guy's ordering me a drink. He comes over. The bouncers come over, ask me, hey, listen, uh, you need to go. You're too uh, busy. You're bothering the customers. I go, you mean the guy that's just buying a drink for me? But they pushed me in between two doors. In between doors it started, started pushing me. One guy put a finger in my eye. I said, I don't want any trouble. Other eye, knocked him out. And then the whole thing started. Like five bouncers came. Yeah, it was a big one. Wow. I actually have a, a very important question for you. Um, so I believe, like I in college, I played college football. I was in. I went to Florida State. I mean, you talk about beer, steroids, kegs, parties. There was two types of guys. There was the guy that was looking for a girl to go home with at the end of the night or a guy that was just looking for a fight at the end of the night. I was always of the former, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But I would always say, it, since then, and anyone who went to Florida State in the in the late '90s, early 2000s knows it was like you couldn't avoid fistfights. My question and lesson is, I would at this point in my life, and I'm not looking for fights, but if I would get in a fight, it would not be with a random stranger. 
it would only be with someone that I know that has done something to the point of, all right, now we need to fight. Disrespect. Yep. Meaning I've seen so many people. What'd you say? Say something. You stepped on my toes. Yo, bro, why are you looking at my girl? Like, like, like it's something where, hey, buddy, like your interaction is maybe one second, two seconds, but now you're in a fist fight with this person. What advice would you have for just people out there that are just... They've got a quick trigger and they're looking for a fight. Next thing you know, they run into a bass rooting at a bar and their face is pummeled for the rest of their life. Yeah, I, for those types of people. It's don't pick a fight. I have students, you know, they look like kids. And they are, they're 17 years old, but they won't mash you up. You know, you pick a fight with Amanda Nunes. Well, with any any lady from the UFC, you are going to lose. It's mm -hmm. it's that crazy, you know. And nowadays, like you said, you don't know who you're fighting. And you can't tell by their exp um, by their appearance as well. So yeah, don't don't do it because it can go really wrong. Yeah, especially if you have no clue, not not only what their background and what their training is, but you don't have you've never had any interaction with this person. Why are you fighting a person? But I tell you, prob nonsensical. Probably more today than before. Probably more today than before because even like early '90s, this thing wasn't you know. Uh, uh, all over the, you know, you didn't watch it every day. It was boxing, but it wasn't UFC, MMA. Hadn't yet blown up. You knew If you knew about it, it's because it was like a underground community that knew this stuff. But, you know, for some of the people that don't know the story, can you tell the Brian Orlocker story? You know no. who Brian Orlocker is. Yeah. But Massive linebacker. Can you pull up Chicago the picture Bears. so people know who yeah. Brian Orlocker is? Like one of the... In, in, in yeah, yeah, how big this guy was. Beast. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, I, I don't really like to say it. You know, the reason is because it's, it was his brother who started it, who looks almost identical like him. And then he just came up for his brother. He came up and he says, hey, dude, because he saw his brother was in, in, in trouble and he wanted to take it outside. You know, and then I, yeah, well, yeah, if you want, you know. You're, you're where? At a bar, at a game? Where are you? We were at the charity event for kids with open heart <laughs> surgery. Yeah, that was the whole thing. What? I was with, with the band, I was singing with the band, and then the, the band guy, the drummer said, hey, you play the drums, right? I go, yeah. You want to play a song? I go, sure. So I'm playing the song, and then I started going to the audience, people shaking my hands, and I'm walking, I step on his brother's toes. And he's pushing me in my back. I go, oh, relax, let me go, you know, uh, relax, what? And, uh, profanity. I said, come on, guys, we're at the charity event. Relax. I was, he was drinking a beer. I said, you want another beer? And they go, F you. And they kept going. I said, dude, this is a charity event. Normally, I would have knocked you out already. So let's bring it down right now. You know, let's, I don't want any trouble here. And then Brian came, but he came just to the defense of his brother. And he said, hey, you want to take it outside? And I said, yeah, we, okay. But then the bouncers came in and they said, yeah, don't go outside with that guy to, buy, to Brian. So Brian didn't know who you were. No, he didn't know who I was. Okay, and even though it's a charity event, and you, you're the, he had no idea who you were. No. Okay, so I'm yeah. assuming you guys never yeah, went so outside. He, no, we never went outside. And, and like I said, it wasn't him. You know, it's that's the misconception. A lot of people say, yes, it was him who asked me to go outside, but he just was there to help his brother. Defend his brother, that yeah. makes sense. Is there a rule, by the way? You know, like you hear that like fists, or if you're a professional fighter, it's, it's actually legal to fight? Or what, what are the rules as far as like... Hey, by the way, I'm a professional UFC fighter, one of the greatest of all time. Are there disclaimers you have to give? What are the rules of fighting normal citizens? Uh, you know, I, I do know that once you do fight, you are considered a weapon in, in court. I had that in okay. Holland. <clears throat> I had a guy who at a party started knocking out women. And then he was my ex in law and knocked, him out, knocked her out too. So I grabbed him. I said, let's go find a tree outside because I saw there was something wrong with him. He was foaming on the mouth. He had like a delirium. So I'm walking outside with him, and while I'm walking outside, there's this old guy sitting who was retired. It was a, a party from a, a company. Jan was his name, and he knocked that guy out also. So now I start pushing him hard outside. 
I said, let's pick up a tree. And I push him away. And right away, his son-in-law is behind me. And they're both attacking me. And this was a week before I had a fight, a Thai boxing match. And it was literally, uh, I swear, I go, bang, bang. <laughs> and fight was over. And I, and I look at my fr- boom, wife boom, and I go, like, I guess I'll be safe for next week, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then the guy got up. And I heard him scream, and I turned around, and he came running at me. And I kick, but because he came in, I didn't hit with my foot. I hit him with my shin in the face. And that was bad. I mean, broke skull, teeth all out, broken jaw. It was, it was like, scary, you know. And then, of course, the police came. But, you know, I had all these witnesses. He was beating women, so it was okay. But I had to go to court for that one. But and in that state, so then, uh, you know, you're, you can't fight again because you're known as you have a weapon or no? No, 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 no. You can. In, in, in self-defense, you can. It's like when you're carrying a weapon, you know, in self-defense for your life or yeah. somebody you love, you're allowed to shoot. Got it. So I guess I know what you're asking yeah. because you, you've heard about it before where, you know, this person is a registered. If yeah, he fights, he goes to just a bunch of bullshit myth. That's right. bull crap. Yeah. So that's, that's not like, a true situation. No, I had this. It's good for movies. <laughs> I had this uh, like woman. I, I, I had to, you know. Uh, register my Register hat. my hands. Lightning and thunder over here. <laughs> this guy, this, I'm, I'm sitting in the, in the, in a pl- on a plane. And the steward, the lady, a female comes to me. She says, I uh, hear you're a fighter. And I go. Yeah, yeah, okay, and she's come with me. I was like very secretive, and I'm standing uh, where the, where they stand normally. And she goes to me, you know, I have a friend of mine. He had to register as uh, register as uh, hands as weapons, and she gave me a card. He says, uh, "Here, what's it?" I said, "Oh, I, I don't need that card." And she says, "Why?" I go, "You know, that's complete BS, right? You can't you can't do that." No, no, no look, it's registerhands.com. I go, oh, he started a company, uh, so you can say, you it's, it's like buying a black belt yeah. at blackbelt.com, you know? I go, this is complete bull. It's, it, it's really not it. But you are considered a weapon, though, once you're in jail, uh, in jail, in court. That's what they say. You're considered a weapon once you're in court for yeah. hurting somebody. For, for fighting. Because with me, they said, would you say that you would hit harder than somebody uh, else? I mean... You're an athlete. I go, you mean like a shot put guy or a tennis player? I think they hit as hard as I do, you know, so because they really wanted to steal to martial arts. I said, come on now. You know, I was just defending myself. And mm-hmm. she was OK. It was a female judge. I remember a smirk on her face. Well, I, I saw your thing on sports science. Did you see that, Pat? Yeah. That was insane. The, the, you're talking about the spleen or the liver? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where they basically, there used to be a show on ESPN called Sports Science. Which, right? by the way, I loved it. I don't know why they went away with it. It was a very good show they would do. You would make you see the science of yeah, what a human specimen certain people were. Yeah, that one right there. I've yeah, seen this that. one. And you can't play it, obviously. No, no, don't you can't play it. Play. That, that's for the spleen. Exactly. The, the one that I really liked was the, the crash test dummy because that's where I, I tripled all the other fighters, had to kick it. And that was cool, you know, at the hair. Because they measured things that they never measured before. They said, like, VC value was 2.1. Now, VC value, that's the value in a car that if you go over that, hit the hit a wall. If you go over it, it's unsafe. Yeah. Uh, so the computer only goes to one. So when I kicked, the guy says, yeah, this is not possible. We've never seen anybody. Like, 0.8 was the hardest one. He said, I said, well, I know I can kick hard. That's the one thing I do. No. And so, so can you adjust the computer? And he says, well, I don't think it's true. I said, well, I know it's true. And then I kicked the second time, and it was a 2.1, and that was cool. Let me, let me ask you about this. In, 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 in basketball, they'll say, this guy's got a quick first step, right? Like you're going, and a boom, he goes around you. Kobe had it. MJ had it. You know, Russell Westbrook's got it. Some guy's got the quick first step. And it's over. You can't guard it because he's behind. You have to do a foul, or you need your help from the center or somebody behind yeah. you. What what are some advantages? Like when you're saying I've never lost in a street fight, 
what are some natural uh, uh, God-given abilities you got that gives you an edge? Is it the speed? Is it quickness? Is it how you see? Like I can already see from the moment you came in, you, you're like constantly moving, your energy, you're aware of your surroundings. What gave you that edge? Is it some, some natural abilities? Because somebody can go in and I can go fight and practice with the same guy that you're practicing with. But you're advancing at a different level than me. Mm-hmm. What are things you're bringing to the table naturally that gives you that advantage? Oh, it's a hard one. You know, it's 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 all about listening to instructions and actually doing it. It's just having good coaches, you know. And and it's like distance. Like for instance, uh, like Mike Tyson was talking about. He, he didn't know he was looking down. The same thing, but pretty much every fighter. You, it, the first fight is 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 out of it's chaos. You just hit a silhouette. Like I knocked my guy out. I remember with a back kick to the body to deliver. But that was he went down. If at that moment they would have blindfolded me, and they would bring in four other guys in tie boxing shorts, doesn't matter what race, and they would turn around and say, "Who are you fighting?" I wouldn't have a clue, because I I wasn't paying attention to him. I just tried to destroy the target. So there's no technique, there's no nothing. It's just brawling, brawling, brawling. But then suddenly the click comes, and suddenly you start bringing the game that you have in the dojo. Bring it over to fighting. Some guys never master it. There are some guys that every fighter will tell you the same thing. Well, the dojo champions. They beat everybody in the dojo, but under pressure, they can't perform. So, so I think that is the biggest one. And then distance. To be able to reach, to, to measure his distance and to stay just outside his range. Because that means I just let you miss. Mm. And I only have to come mm-hmm. back in order to knock you out. Yeah. So distance and... Uh, but but let, me, let, me, let me... This is I guess this is what I'm asking. Say, say we got a hundred guys that come in. Okay, they're athletic, but they've never they've never done taekwondo, karate. They've never done jujitsu. They've never done anything. Yeah, and they come to you. Okay, <coughs> and you're you're trying to see who's a better fighter, who's not. All street fighters, and they've all had twenty street fights under their belt. Okay, mm-hmm. what makes one better than another one? Is it like? Is it, are you able to slow down speed when someone's throwing something? Are you seeing something another person doesn't see? I'll give you an idea. It's Sunday night. I got a bunch of people at my house. I'm putting a party two nights ago. And we're playing spades on this table. Middle table, I have them playing chess. Okay, And one of the guys, his name is Rodolfo Vargas. We just sent him and his dad and his uh, father-in-law to Qatar to see the final uh, World Cup. Just sick. He's on the flight right now over there. He's playing chess. He always beats everybody. Then the last table is uh, dominoes. I don't know which one you play. They're playing dominoes, chess, spades on this side. The guy that plays chess, he he can think with his eyes, like if I do this and then he does this and he does this, they can go 19 moves or oh, 13 yeah. moves. They can do that, right? In fighting, there's got to be some kind of an instinct a person has that gives you an edge over another one. And they've never fought. No instructor, <clears throat> nothing. What would you say that edge is? Natural. Yeah, that's that's control. But, but when you're talking about guys who come in and already had uh, 20 street fights, they they already think they can fight, and they're not listening to instructions. You know, so they make mistakes because they only fought on the street against the pro. They're gonna have a problem. So it's the guy who listens, and I said, oh, tone this down a little bit, and and this is where you explode. You know, once they start listening and footwork, distance again, it's everything. You know, so that's it. Are they able to receive information and uh, automatically do that right away? Coachability for you. Coachability, it's everything. Because, you know, you have to tone them down because these guys, when they're hotheads, like also guys with me, I have the special stance. My stance is a wide open stance. It's like... um, Mike Tyson stands, and um, Ramon Deckers, who used to be the passed away, unfortunately, greatest Thai boxer in my eyes. It's an open stance, but it, it will make you open here, but that's it. 
for the rest, everything becomes better. More powerful with blocking, with kicking, with everything is better. But a lot of guys fighting in this stance. Now, if they come in in this stance and they're knocking people out, they're not going to change the stance because then it works. If they're fighting like this, and but they're not knocking people out, still doing really well, then I will tell them, you know, at the moment you want to knock somebody out, switch to this stance because that's got more power. You see, you start coaching them and if they listen immediately you know okay that's the guy mm. it's guys come in who never did anything and immediately they start listening to your coaching those are most of the time the guys who are going to make it so i i have two boys and my boys 10 and 9 years old i put them in jujitsu for the last year and a half two years and just last night i got home and i i wrestle with these guys and i just trying to see where they're at and let me tell you it hurts right now oh yeah you know, these not- guys these are actually like dylan yesterday got me pretty good and he got me Okay, that I had to really try to get out of. They're it, ten and eight, now? ten and nine. What did he have you with? Uh, what was that? A choke or an armbar? No, he had me in a choke <clears throat> yesterday because I had his brother on top of him. So I, I was good with the brother. My legs are locked. I'm good. And then he came from back and he got me a choke. And I'm like, I'm. It was pretty tight. He like, got you you obviously can't show your and son. Senna's that biting your leg. The whole and thing. Senna's <laughs> just kicking me. I'm like, what are you doing, Senna? My six year old daughter. But uh, it, it, arts, arts. Uh, you know, like if you if you go under the coach of John Wooden, you learn about beating your prior best. John Wooden's not, I think you can beat him. And let me tell you what he said about your mom. That's not John Wooden's yeah. coaching style, right? But if you go under, you know, Phil Jackson, Phil Jackson is about emotional control. And then at the same time, mind games that Phil Jackson plays where he wouldn't say anything to your face, but he would go to the media and says, you know, you, we have to see if Kobe really wants to be one of the best of all time or not. That's a decision he's got to make. And then the way he would get you is through media, right? So you would have a little bit of Phil Jackson's DNA. If you went under this other guy, so you would pick up different people's style. Is there a cultural, and we were talking about this prior to the podcast, if you meet a person that's done 10 years of karate or taekwondo or judo or jujitsu, <clears throat> what different characters do they create? Do, do different arts create different types of men and leaders based on what the values and principles are, or are all of them pretty much similar values and principles? Um, it's good that you said yes. So with a good traditional background, most of the time, like a taekwondo or a karate background, you know, those guys, they listen to instructions. They're They're more... I don't know, more in control, I would say. But then you need a good school as well because you got a lot of schools. Like, for instance, my daughters, they went to a school, I won't say the name, and they I never saw them practice. And suddenly they had to go up for the yellow belt test. And they go and they're walking the katas like this. They have no clue what they're doing. And they receive the, black, the, the yellow belt. And the guy comes to me and he says, hey, congratulations. I said, for what? He says, for the belt. I said, they didn't get it. Why would you give it to them? You know, it makes no sense. They did not know what to do. You know, this is, he says, oh, we'll work on it more. I said, no, I'm out. I said, this is a money-making machine for you guys. You're just making money with a belt system. You pay 75 bucks. You don't want to do that. Now, if you go to a school, like, a, for instance, a Kyokushin school, that's a different thing. Those guys, when you have a belt, you have the belt. So it's all about what school you're going to. Most of the time, Kyokushin is a really good one. And there's really good karate, class, uh, karate schools as well, r- regular karate. It's just about who's instructing. Okay, so so stay there. So the So the... The, the play, so one of it is the actual art you're learning, mm-hmm. okay? What I'm trying to find out is, you, you know, you, you can go to a, a learn an art and you may never make it to the NBA. You know, kids coach will say, like my, uh, one of the coaches for a baseball team says, you see all these parents out here? 
They all think their son's going to be the next A-Rod. Mm-hmm. What they don't realize is their son's not going to be the next A-Rod. Let them enjoy the game. Let them have fun with baseball. And he's talking about this. Very few of these guys will end up being the next Alex Rodriguez or whatever, whatever. 0.2%. 0.2%, right, to make it to that level, yeah. right? Okay. But what I like about him as a coach, he's tough. He's disciplined. He, he's, he challenges them. We practiced it. He's, he's really with them, and he loves on them. He's got the balance of both, yep. which I like. So I put these guys in a jujitsu, and I see at the end of the day, hey, what's the word of the day? Discipline. So, yes, they're learning how to protect themselves, but they're also learning certain set of values and principles. You just said right now, Taekwondo Karate is a lot of coachability. These are students that develop coachability, you right? You have to do the katas. You have to memorize. You yeah. Know? But, but, but I, I, what I want to know is you meet a judo person. How different is a judo person 10 years Versus a karate, and I'm talking that they all have good teachers. Mm-hmm. So we're not talking about the bit. We'll talk about that here in a minute as well because that's a paranoia I have as a parent. We're like, these guys are just making money. It's bullshit what <coughs> they're doing here. But you meet a judo person. You meet a karate person. You meet a jujitsu person. And we go out with 10 judo people. We go out with 10 karate people. We'll go out with 10 jujitsu people. We go out with 10 whatever. Pick Wrestlers, all of them. Wrestlers, boxers. How yeah. different is their character you know, is one all about discipline? Is one about, you know, spiritual? Is one what? What's the different DNA between these different arts? Mm, I would say like the jiu-jitsu and judo will be more spiritual. You know, if you go to Eddie Bravo's classes, I mean, they light up a joint before they start, right? Everybody <laughs> light up a joint. <laughs> yeah, the- so everybody flows better. There's one oh, big wow. bong in the middle. Everybody thinks it. Hits, <laughs> and then they Literally, start. yeah. Pat, I could see you enrolling in a class like that, right? It's probably good for me, but I wouldn't. But so, so those are more the spiritual guys and the combinations. But you know, you you have them everywhere. That's what I'm trying to say. The more spiritual guys, (coughs) sorry, I would say in uh, judo, jiu-jitsu, sambo, all those kind of sports, and in karate, once you start hitting people, I think you have the more energy guys, the more the ADD, ADHD. So those kind of guys, you have them there. And they're harder to coach because... So this is who? This is, this is karate or this is this, the energy guys? The, just punching and kicking would be the energy guys. Got it, got because it. Because they, they pick that for a reason, right? They, you pick jiu-jitsu, you pick for a reason. Now you pick it because you know it's a very good self-defense. We didn't know that all the way back before the UFC, before Horace Gracie started. Right. You just picked it because you don't like to get hit, right? And you like this sport a lot. That's most of the time it. But then you start boxing and boxing you like to hit people. And those people are just different wired you know they don't care about getting hit themselves so that's why in the beginning when you had these jiu-jitsu guys coming into mma they needed to get used to getting hit while they're going for the submissions because if they go for a submission but they get hit in the face well that stops of course the submission attempt so so is is there very interesting what you just said so two questions one what complements what like uh, it's good to take you know this with this yeah okay that's what to take or it's Good to start with this, then to go to this. With and then I'll ask the next question yeah. for you. Are there arts that complement each other? Very much. Um, it's either you're a really good striker and you do wrestling, or you're a really good submission guy. You have wrestling, because if you have great wrestling, you you decide where the fight is going to go. You know, so like Chuck Liddell, really good takedown defense, and he was just knocking people out left and right. Worked really good for him. You have Damian Maya, who's really good on the ground. Good takedowns, takes people down and submits them. Still, till this day, he will do that. You see, so it's all a combination. Wrestling should always be in the middle. Something that I actually sucked at as a, as a fighter. I just became really good on the ground. It's like when you read my, re- I had like 42 submissions because it was a different thing, but I never took anybody down. So that means that they took me down, I reversed them, I would go for a submission. Wow. You see, so. Very interesting. Yeah, that's, that's a complete. So even though you were not good at it, the moment they took you down, you had 42 <laughs> submissions? 
Yeah, in total, I had forty-two submissions. So you were you were you were good at it, but you just how come you didn't do it if you were good at it? Oh no, I I did it uh, for the wrestling. Um, Why didn't you take him down if you were good at it? Because I like to knock people out as well. Okay, so your your so, edge was this okay, was your edge. That was my weapon. I got you. Yeah, just okay. knock, knock it up. So 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 I guess my second question for this would be: You talk about your daughters, right? Where they're mm. going and where you put them. Like, hey, what are you doing? No, congrats. This is the last time you'll see me here. You're just running a business. I get that feeling sometimes. Where it's like you're paying by money. It's just a business model that they're creating. Um, how do you know the energy? Of, like my oldest son, he's more. You know, his energy is a different kind of an energy. My younger son, he's just like, wah, 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 he's like, just yeah. like, he's like, you, you're moving constantly right now. He's always like that. He's always moving, right? And, you know, so, so to him, he needs to get that, let that energy out. Do you match an art with the kid's energy or no? Don't worry about it. Just put him in there. It's going to be all right. Well, maybe you should do the opposite, right? If you, the, normally the guy who's toned down, he will choose, uh, choose jiu-jitsu, but I will put him in boxing then because then he takes a little bit from the boxing. You see, then you change a little bit because it is good what he has, but it still needs to change. You need to be angry. You need to be explosive at certain moments. Calmness is everything, but there needs to be also a fuse that you can set off right away and so you start firing. So the angry guy put him in jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu. And yes, the, the other guy we... put him in boxing. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. So, Jennifer, if you're listening, Tico's <laughs> going to start taking boxing. But if they would choose themselves, yeah. then the low-level guy will take jiu-jitsu. And then the high-level one. Naturally. Naturally. Naturally, they're going to want to. So you mix them up. So you, I will mix them up, yeah. Because so what are your bring... daughters taking right now? Nothing. I wish. They, uh, they, you know, I can't force them, right? I mean, my youngest daughter, I should say that when I take her to focus, mate, she, she knows everything. And she will be really good. She's really tiny. She's 100 pounds. But, man, she can fight if she wants. You know, my oldest one, she never really wanted it. She likes dancing and she likes other How things. old are they? Uh, 26, just turned 26 and 21. Okay. And then I have a 34-year-old in Holland I, with a 7-year-old grandson who turned 7 yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday. The fact that you're Congratulations. I have some follow-up questions on the daughters, by the way. But I, wanna, I, I don't want to skip over something that I think w would be an important question. The conversation that you're having with Bass about coaching versus natural talent, right? So you always hear, like, are entrepreneurs born or are they yeah, made? Yeah. Are fighters born or are they made? What we're talking about is nature versus nurture, right? What's more important, natural ability or coachability? It sounds like you're saying if there's a bunch of talented guys, coaching is the most important thing. Yep. I've seen you turn ordinary people into extraordinary entrepreneurs, salespeople. I don't think it's a binary option. Like you need to be coached, but you can't. You also need to have talent. I don't think it's one or the <coughs> other. In your experience, training thousands and thousands of salespeople and entrepreneur, what's the perfect mix? Natural ability, but then coachability. Someone that doesn't have great yeah. ability, but they're willing to listen. What's your opinion? Well, listen. If if like what he's saying, it's interesting. If if you have the perfect mixture is a Kobe, the guy is like obsessed with the game of basketball. But he's also got some ability, natural abilities. I mean, that's like the perfect world, right, right, when you have that. If you have that, now you have somebody that can be one of the greatest of all time. Not just, But you take somebody that's got natural – I got a lot of guys in a company that are naturally good salespeople, but they're just not obsessed. They're just kind of like winging it, and they'll make a half a million dollars. Then you got a guy that is obsessed with this game. They're just like constantly reading up, student, coachable, wanting to learn. That guy's going to pass the natural guy. But if you got both combined, it's a scary thought. Like you for him. That's again, yeah. yeah it's, it's the combination. Yeah. Well, you, know, if, you would think calmness and, and negotiating, it's all about calmness. Because once you have ADHD or ADD, what I have, you know, then you, you might start, sh start shooting everyone. Once you lose emotion, that's when you lose the, the whole deal, right?
Yeah. Oh, in sales, no question about it. So you got to kind of bring them down. But in in you know like like poking, are you are you some did you like if, did you ever coach with someone where uh, like okay, let me ask the question a different way maybe. Who did you coach? Who was your coach that got the best out of you? Was there somebody that could get the best out of you more than somebody else? Because you seem critical. Like even when you said my daughter's got yellow belt and he comes yeah. up and says congratulations, just <clears throat> for what? You just gave it to them. They yeah. didn't earn it. That means you're pretty critical of weak coaches. Who did you have that really got the best out of you, and how did that person get the best out of you? Um, you know, this is the thing. I, I, my whole career, I pretty much, I, I taught myself. I never had a coach. So my coach was in, in, my manager was in the corner, not a coach. I had some classes, of course, with karate and all the way back, and I would say that karate guy, Roland Johnson, he taught me the perfect technique, how to do it and understanding the body mechanics. But from that moment on, once I started competing in mixed martial arts, I never had a coach. I learned the ground game myself. I never had somebody. I was just watching tapes and seeing it, and then I realized, wait a minute, I think I can make this better. And we just started rolling. Like, I lost my last fight by way of submission because, needless to say, I was a striker. You knock one, I knocked the first two guys out. Third guy, yeah, he was not going to stand with me, right? Took me down, won by submission. He did. Then I won a few more fights by knockout, lost again by submission. Then I won a few more fights, and then I lost again by submission. My last loss was against Ken Shermock with a knee bar. <clears throat> and now it really started to piss me off. Now I go like, because I'm, I'm a sore loser. And I go, I have to learn this game. Mm. So I stopped striking completely. I only did the tight hats, you know, to force stamina four times a week. And the rest, two, three times a day, only ground. And what do you know? Suddenly I became obsessed with it. I mean, I became so crazy. I would wake up my wife in the middle of the night because I would dream a submission. I would put her in the submission and I would ask her where it hurt. Oh, swear to God. Come here, honey. I need a burn oh, yeah. for a second. <laughs> oh, okay, that one worked, babe. It's your shoulder, right? Yes, it's my shoulder. I would write it down and the next day Can I would Can we maybe do it with are our friend Rob Are you being serious here? about this? 100%. This, this happened a bunch of times. She would walk in the kitchen. I said, lean over. And I would I'd go for a choke and say, are you getting dizzy or does this hurt your throat? She said, I'm getting dizzy. Yeah, see, it's a blood choke. You know, so I, but I became obsessed with it. The whole house was a little post-its, but I never lost a fight anymore. You know, I lost my last fight by way of submission, and I won my next eight fights by submission. People were freaking out in Japan. They go, what's That's going on? Sick. Yeah, and one, one of those eight was submission control. I didn't finish him, but the other ones were all seven finishes by submission. You see, but that's what I tell people all the time. You know, everybody can do this. You just have to do it. Like, I'm this guy. I'm super obsessed. I give this example always. Hopefully, it will spark something to some people. I was, I was a karate guy, so my hands are here, right? And I started my first Thai boxing class. Well, I fought an A-class a, a guy, which is a professional guy. He realized really fast that if he would hit my head, I would overcommit with my, and I exposed my body. So I went out with a liver shot. That's where my love for the liver shot comes from, by the way, because people always ask, where does it come from? My first Thai boxing class, the guy dropped me immediately. I went back home because my hands were here, and I stood three and a half, four hours in front of the mirror. I would uh, drink a cup of tea after 20 minutes, go back. And my wife at the time goes, you're insane. I go, no, that will never happen again. The next day I went back to the gym and I cleaned 85% of the gym out. And they thought I actually paid, played a trick on them that I already knew how to box. I said, no, I spent like three and a half hours in front of a mirror yesterday. You see, so when I see a problem that I have, mm -hmm. I want to fix it today. And if today's not going to work, it will be fixed tomorrow. I'm very obsessive compulsive for that kind well, of but, stuff. But that's, that's the point. So, so what, what just happened right there, that's... You can't teach that. That's what you can't teach. You're certain when you're saying like who was born, who was, you know, yeah. mate, you cannot teach obsessive personality. You cannot teach desire. Your desire can go higher by being around somebody that's got high desire. Your level of obsession can go higher by being around other people that are obsessed. 
but natural obsession, you either got it or you don't have it. I, at least that's my opinion from my experience. Yeah, but you know, I think it came from, and I was very sick, you know, because I was, I wanted the biggest room in the house, yeah. which was the attic. Life changing really event. Nice. Yeah. yeah, but if I had an asthma attack, that was every five weeks, weak in bed, not able to eat because I couldn't breathe. So you can only imagine if I go down and fly the stairs, took me 45 minutes, but I had to do it. And that happened every five weeks. Mm. So I had to go down and going up, two steps, sitting down. Wow. <laughs> Resting two steps up, sitting down. You know, but that was pushing me, I think, to if I want something, well, now I know I have to work for it. So all that stuff that I had that I thought was a curse when I was a kid, it became a blessing. 100%. Uh, 100%. 100%. Because yeah. spark, that's why I'm sitting here right now, because I got bullied in all the diseases. That's I want to ask you a I'm question gonna, about that exact topic right there. You said, you know, basically what you're saying, it's not the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight in the dog. You said at the beginning that when you were a kid, they called you the leper. Yeah. Right? Because you had a lot of health issues. You were bullied like crazy. Fast forward, you know, 10, 20 years later, you're known as El Guapo. Yeah. The handsome one. Yeah. So I'm all about self-improvement. Just because where you're born in life doesn't mean where you need to finish. I feel like there's a lot of young men struggling today with you know, whether it's career, whether it's purpose, whether it's women, whether it's money, there's a lot of young men struggling. And it sounds like you were kind of in that camp when you were a teenager. What are the big, not fighting, but what are the biggest lessons that you've learned life advice from being the leper and then turning into El Guapo? You know, finding out that it's done for a reason, you've been giving that by the Lord, he gave us, he gave me that for a reason. Once you understand that, because, so what is the reason there? Well, I knew the friends that I had were real friends. You know, because they didn't care about my skin disease. Now I had real friends, you see. So it always has pluses, you know. I was always by myself. I was always in the forest. I, I, had, I could climb the whole forest, treetop to treetop, swinging it over. Maybe five, six times I had to get out because it was too far. The trees were too far from each other. But that's where all my athletic ability started. You see, so everything, when you go back in time, you go, wow, it was there for a reason. That's Is, is your mom or dad like? Who, who, who has your kind of energy? Um, I would say my dad, but my mother, we find out now also, like with strength, like uh, she, unfortunately, she had a stroke and she's in a, a special place, but her grip, like if she ho grabs a bar, then you know, you're going to need a screwdriver in order to grip? apply her. Yeah, like she's incredibly strong with that. No, I don't. You have a grip as well or no? No, 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 no. Especially this hand. This hand is like at four neck surgeries. So if you see this, you can tell, see the whole biceps yep, is yep. atrophied here. How many wow. surgeries you said? Four. Got it. I, I couldn't pull the trigger uh, from a gun. That's how weak my hand was. So once I got my hand back, I was. Uh, I said, okay, I'm, I stopped complaining now. But what I used to push myself through it Grim. is that I had this eczema everywhere. I would make a fist and pus would come out. It was disgusting. You know, I had to wear gloves the whole time, long sleeves, turtlenecks. But um, I always knew, and that I did this as a kid, that there are people way worse. They have that, what I have on my hands, their entire body. Mm -hmm. My asthma attack I had for a week, I knew that there were people who had that 365 days a year. See, compared to them, it wasn't that bad. This is how I always work my problems. Boss, how big is your hands? Can you put your hands here? Like, your fingers, those are... My fingers are long. Yeah, you got yeah. some... Yeah, that... that. So it's interesting. Your really fingers thin. are super long. Yeah. yeah. But then this part of your hand, palm is small, fingers are long. Yeah, so it's good for a grip because you can go around. Very interesting. Better, yeah, mm. yeah. Did you but, did you did you see that? I see how big his hands are. Yeah. It's, but no, also, no. But but this is this no, no, part is small. The fingers are long, so you can grip. <laughs> yeah, I always do. Oh my God! <laughs> this, I can, please, let's scroll. 
the size of that middle finger. I mean, but always, I don't, don't take this personally, Bob. Oh, my yes, But hold one more time, please. That is the longest middle finger. You see, but E.T. over here. Phone home, Bob. Holy shit. That's I just finger. noticed that when I'm like, wait a minute. That. What was that all about? Yeah, yeah. Bouncer, I would do that. And then because <laughs> yeah. I would, as a guy, I would do this. And it would first be angry. Bus. I go, dude, I'm doing this to yes. make you laugh. And then it would start laughing. You know, so there's no fight. Boss, never in a million years did I envision doing this to Boss Rutten. <laughs> but now that I'm doing this and seeing your finger, Holy it's moly. Insane. Yeah. Very so your dad. I, I wonder. So your mom's grip. You said your dad was an energy guy. Was he a fighter or no? Not really. Athlete, world track and field guys. I was going to be actually the next Bruce Jenner. That was my. I wanted uh -oh. to be Got like it. Athlete. I was going. Bruce, not Kylie. It's going to be Bruce, Bruce. not Caitlin. Yeah. No, yeah. at the time he was yeah. the seventy-six right. gold medal. I remember. I met him. I met him in the nineties. Yeah. Yeah, so I wanted to do a decathlon, and I was going hard on my way, you know. I was doing really well in the track and field. Needs to say, my, my, my running times were always the worst because of my asthma. But for the rest, everything, I was pretty good. So, got it. So there was some genetics that came, your parents, mom, yep. strength, and then dad, you were going to ask something? Yeah, I was going to ask you. Uh, this is more of a question that I, it's for Pat, but it's also for the audience. You said you have two daughters? Yes. Or three? three. Okay, and you have all, you also have a 34, a 26, 20, right? Or something um, like yep. that. Yeah. And uh, you're showing some of your injuries. Um, you know, when you hear that Pat's asking you about his kids, 8 and 10, right? Or even your grandson, and I'm seeing your injuries, and I'm like, there's a lot of benefits from... I used to do karate as a kid, right? And then I played football and basketball. What advice would you give to a guy like Pat with two sons or, you know, there's thousands of people watching in the audience with sons, even daughters. Would you recommend that they get into fighting and even professional fighting? Or you're like, no, 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 don't do what daddy did. Get into a normal career. What no, would your advice be? I, I would do fighting, uh, especially jiu-jitsu. It's really good for your cognitive function, you know, problem-solving thinking, you know, getting out of situations is really good for kids, you know, to put everything together. And and boxing, I would uh, put them on the boxing as well. So just that there's no, you know, how... What happens when you get hit? It's just about that. You know, once you get hit in the face a few times, you know, you're used to it. It's really for people, they always look at it and say, oh, it looks so bad. Yeah, but it, once you do it, it every day, it becomes normal. Is so. it one of those things you would recommend like during middle school, high school for, for shaping your adolescence? Or would you recommend them going down that path and trying to become the next Bass Rutten? Because there's a difference. Life lessons versus like, no, I am going for yeah. it. We've had Dustin Poirier here and Michael Chandler and I'm looking at your injuries like there's a lot of benefits, but... When you get to 50, 60 years old, there might be some, some situations yeah, that you might no, no, regret. No. no, no, no. It's super safe. This actually is not from fighting. This is from TV work, from fight scenes in the TV show. Okay. That's, that's how it happened. In fighting, I actually never got injured. This is how weird it sounds. You know? In pro wrestling, I started doing pro wrestling a few times. That's where I got injured the most. After my third pro wrestling match, my wife goes, why don't you go back to real fighting? I mean, you never got injured like this oh. before. Because you take the hits, you take the beatings, you know, because it's a script. You see what I mean? So, yeah, no, it's uh, it's important to put kids on it just for, for confidence. I, totally uh, I, I, I want to tell you a story, which is uh, interesting. I want to see if this is the guy or not. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. So I'm in Dallas. I, I buy these two Ducatis. You know, the, the Ducati and the uh, Lamborghini collaboration yeah. that they did? And so I'm you bought that in Boca. Yeah, uh, I, bought, I bought it here, but I first was talking to him Got about it. buying an XTAVEL. He started getting me all. I said, so, Jeff, what's your story? I think this the guy's name is Jeff. He says, well, I was a professional uh, uh, Ducati racer. And, you know, I'm like, really? I said, yeah, how fast? 220, 230? Well, that's insane. I said, how do you get into this? He says, well, I went to my mom and dad. I said, I want to buy a motorcycle. They said, no. I said, listen, guys, you have to understand, I'm going to race professionally. 
if you don't buy me a bike, I'm buying myself a bike. Parents are like, we're not buying you a bike. Guess what happens? He bought his own bike. He bought his own bike. That's it. Yeah. And he went and raced professionally. Best and he best went and he says, so the point is, dude, if a kid wants to, if, if a person wants to fight, they're eventually going to get to a point to say, mom, dad, just so you know, I'm going to fight. I'm going to race. I'm going to build a business. I'm going to join the army. I'm going to go into Hollywood. There's a there's a mo obsession draws a person, especially strong personality type of people, and then parents eventually sit there and say, "Hey, what are we gonna do? Shit, we can't do nothing. Babe. We can't hold this guy back right now. You got to kind of let him go." So there's a part of it where it's like, "Hey, go do this," and then there's a part of it that's like, "Whatever they want." Yeah, you whatever they want. And, and the more you protect <laughs> it from it, the more they want to do it. You're like, "You can't touch that door and ever go in there." Hey, let's go find out what the hell is in that door. It's kind of like one of those situations. Uh, how, yeah, do you, but, how do you deal with that as a parent, though, Pat? Like, so for instance, you kind of let, let me tell you, you yeah. secretly like it because, at least for me, I like it because it's shown me that my my boys and my daughters they got strong personality. Like, daddy, I, I want a little bit of that. Like, you know, I, I want them to say, Dad, I'm telling you, I'm doing this. With like my son, I'll give you an idea. My ten year old. Do you know? Next time we go to the house. Tell him, uh, Patrick, I got you a bunch of strawberries, especially from uh, uh, Germany, the best kind of strawberry. Good luck getting Tico to eat any kind of fruit. <laughs> Let me tell you, if I, I tell him, yeah. I'll give you $1,000 if you eat the strawberry, the kid's not going to eat it. You know how much I respect that? <laughs> if I tell him $10,000, he does not give a shit. That kid doesn't eat fruit. To me, that's a strength of a character of the kid. There's a part of it where it's like, no, man, this is what I like. This is what I don't like. So if Tico later on is 28 years old, he's going to do what he wants to do. Whether he does something stupid or not, it's because he wanted to do that stupid thing or not. It's as long be as decision. they don't yeah. want to do it because you want uh, to do Resentment, it. yeah. Because I have these fighters and they have sons and they're fighting and all eyes are on the sons. Is he going to be the next guy? I think it's too much pressure. And also when my daughters would fight, like I'm more nervous uh, in a fight if my students are fighting than when I fight myself. Yeah. Because once you drive yourself, you know, you're behind the steering wheel, you can control everything. But if you can't control it, you have to give it out of your hands. It's kind of mm -hmm. scary. But by the way, you, you said once, you said you would rather, you think it's safer to do a, a bare knuckles fight than with mm -hmm. gloves. I mean, that's be, to the average person like Bass, what are you talking about? Bare knuckles is safer than gloves? Why, why would you say that? CTE-wise, yes. Because bare knuckles, the glove got invented because to protect the hand. Right. We all, a lot of people think the head. It's not. Because people were breaking their hands in boxing in the, in the past. World champion, broke his hands, can't defend his title now. You see? So then they go, we got to come up with something. So then they came up with the glove. Now it became very dangerous. That's why boxing is still has the highest rates of people dying. Because the boxing glove can let you hit as hard as you can. Mike Tyson, every street fight he was in, right? He broke his hand. You see, pretty much every street fight he was in, he broke his hand. Because, but is he perfectly wrapped? Now it's a freaking weapon. So in bare-knuckle boxing, the great bare-knuckle boxers, what they do, they ease up on the head. Because if you had the skull, well, those little tiny bones are going to lose. You know, and you remember the Hard Times movie with uh, Charles Bronson? Mm -hmm. You know, when they hit you, you just Old do this. School, yes. And they hit the forehead. Yep. Well, you break your hands. You see, so that's why there's the glove. So CTE-wise, brain-wise, and you can read any test out there, I'm 100% right, because they hold back on the power Very on the head. They go for the body. You have lacerations, all that kind of stuff, and bleed, but that's, it's just a flesh wound, right? That's what they say. So it's just blood. But I'm talking about the brain. Keep the brain healthy. I think bare knuckle boxing, no, I know bare knuckle boxing is actually so, safe. So if that's the case, why, why isn't UFC going to bare knuckles? 
Is it because of regulations with the state of Nevada or where, wherever they're fighting? Well, I, I think what you're going to have is like in panic situation, because that's what Mike Tyson said, right? Everybody has a game plan until they get hit, right? Yep. That's the same thing. Punch there. in the yep. face. So now you go, oh, you're going to hit, uh, you're going to light up on the face, but now you get in trouble and you start swinging for the fences. If you swing for the fences, yes, you might connect, but if you connect the wrong way and you hit a skull, you break your hand. Now this guy, if he won a title, he can defend his title for quite a bit because he has to first heal everything, you see? So that's why I think, and also for the people, you know, like bleeding, people are freaking out with blood. And most of the time, the guy goes back to his corner, and he's blood everywhere, they wipe him off, and you realize it's this little tiny cut that just pumps out because your heartbeat goes like 170, 160 beats a minute, and it looks bad, but it's, it's just... Did like you, did you see the last uh, Michael Chandler fight with Dustin Poitier? Did you see that fight? No. Okay, there was, I don't, that was like, I. if you type in that fight with blood, just type in Michael Chandler, Dustin Poitier, and then blood. That's all you got to put. Blood. <laughs> it's it's uh, Chandler you, was bleeding pretty bad. Oh blood. My, no, it's not even funny. Like he's on top of him, and the blood is spilling on Dustin's face. Yeah. Wow. Like it was absolutely. That's not even. Anyway, so it was pretty intense when you were seeing this, the, the fight between two, these two guys. Do you follow a lot of UFC? You watch it fairly I do. closely. I do, but I, I travel a lot as well. So I missed the last one. We were in California, and yeah. so. so Due to traveling. Who do you like to watch fight? Is there anybody? I know you're, you know. All of them right now. I mean, I really do. You know, it's very hard to pick a few names. I like John Jones to come back. I would really like to see. I think he could be the greatest of all times. I mean, he lost once, but that was not really a loss, right? That was not a loss, yeah. So, so, and the guy is just a freak of nature. And then fighting at heavyweight, who sign me up, you know, and with this reach, and I think it's going to be a great fight against Ngannou, if that's going to happen. John that, Jones against Ngannou? The there is talking about it, yeah. Let me so, tell you, that is an insane... Giant pay-per-view, yeah. Who's favorite in that fight? John. He, he has so? to be because yeah. of his Isn't Nagano the, the heavyweight champion of the no, world right now? It's John. John is... I mean, listen, go ahead. Yeah, go, no, go. yeah, like, like, like you said, Ngannou grew a lot. He's doing the bang system now. Basruton inspired bang Muay Thai. You know, his footwork, he went to extreme couture, that's where they teach that system. So his footwork, you saw him getting much better. Switching stances, doing all that stuff. Then he started getting inside his head. Go for takedowns is what he did. Nagano. Against Gano. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, but still, to stop a takedown from John Jones, you know, it's going to be hard. He's such a great wrestler. And John Jones, you know, he might from the first start, whoop, shoots in and take him down right away. And once that's in his head, he's going to be... the. You know, it's going to be hard for him to throw a punch because he's going to... Once you throw a punch with power, you have to plant your feet, right? Yeah. And once you plant your feet, well, you set yourself up for a takedown. And they know that. So if Jones comes out and immediately takes him down, well, he sets he sets the tone of the fight. Now he's making him worried. So what, what, if Gano connects, fight's over. Yeah, what, what I like about how we fought Cyril Gano when... When uh, Francis fought him, everybody said it's just going to be stand-up. But he beat him on the ground, which super was smart. super smart. Kind of yep. like what you did. You're, you're like, hey, you don't think I can do it. I'm going to go on the next eight to show you that I can win on the ground. And uh, it was, um, listen, of course, this guy's punch. He was here just three months ago on the animal. podcast, five months ago. It's an, he's an animal. but uh, uh, He's John, massive. No, but John Jones, the, John Jones is in the discussion of the greatest of all time. By other greats, so they call him the great. Other greats call him the greatest. Yeah, John which you, that's when you know you're you're doing. I something. just have one question regarding John Jones versus Nagano. How much bigger and heavier is Nagano than Jones? Probably at their peaks. 30, 30, 40 pounds when he's cut down. Yeah. Nagano will probably be two sixty five on the day of the fight, but he will. Oh no, of the day of the fight, he'll probably yeah. be two seventy seventy five. So if you're talking 30, 40 pounds, I mean, how much of a difference does that make? You're talking about a 
a lightweight fighting a heavyweight in essence? No? I, I fought no weight classes, right? My my fights in Japan were no weight classes. You fought everybody. Do you, do you my know a guy who fought how much heavier he was than him? How much the, bigger was he than you? 265. Yeah. I fought a guy 265. I was okay. 207. 207 against 265. 60 so, pound difference. So weight doesn't make that much of a difference? It, it does. You, don't, <laughs> you don't want to get hit. You yeah. know, but so but you slip, you you know, you make sure that you don't get hit. People always said, well, I never had an eight count. I never went down. I never was knocked out. You know, and they said, so you don't like to get hit? I said, I don't mind to get hit, but why would I let myself get hit if I can avoid it? I mean, it's, it's simple, right? So, Just to clear the air, I don't like getting hit, right? Is that what you're saying? No, I said nobody likes to get hit. Right. I don't mind to get hit because I know I have a hard head. I mean, they broke, uh, no, they hit a Coca-Cola bottle, like a big one on my head, and it didn't break. I didn't go down. <laughs> you know, baseball bat with a nail in it. <laughs> I didn't go down. A nunchuck. I didn't go down. So I, I know I have a hard hat. Yeah. You know? Well, th this this kind of is against what you're saying about coaching. Like, you could, I don't know how much coaching it takes to take a baseball bat over the head. No, no, no. That's Th some natural ability. To that's there. a natural ability. Okay. I don't think yet. Being in really good shape will help you also with that. Yeah. Always being a peak performance. Like, that was one of my things. I was always in great shape. And for I could keep going, you know? So you weather the storm for the first four minutes, and then they get tired because they're big, you know? And that's the difference with then and now, because now you got Engano, who just five, five, <laughs> fights five rounds easy. You know, they're in that's shape insane. and they're freaking that's giant. That's insane. It is. It is yeah, because he has got the same long volume that I have and the same heart that I have, only he's got way more power. Bo boss, it. I know you're being diplomatic, but I, I want to ask a guy like you, okay, to see if, if you'll open up and kind of say this a little bit or not. In your eyes, okay, this is your world from your POV, top five, greatest of all time, oh, fighters. Don't geez. forget about, you can put Pride, you can put Bellator, you can put UFC, you can put anything. Who do you put as top five? Um, Horace Gracie needs to be in it. You know, uh, it, it, I don't look at the last fights, what he did for MMA. Uh, Sakuraba beating four Gracies, he should be in it. Fedor Emelianenko, he should be in it. Ronda Rousey should be in it. Really? Ronda yeah, Rousey? Because she changed the world. Game changer. She I got was you. the one that, you know, so all these things where they talk about the Mount Rushmore, right. it's a very hard one. George St. Pierre, I mean, Habib, uh, they're such a freak athletes right now. And they're all good everywhere. Like with me, I was just good on the ground and standing, and I had a boatload of stamina. But now everybody has that, and they're way better wrestlers than I was. So the 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 level is much higher. You're not it, putting yourself in the top five. No. no. Listen, and I always say, and they say top hundreds. I always say this, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. If I'm in the top thousand, I'm a very happy man because we got what 7.8 billion people on the planet. I'll take the thousand. <laughs> is the world? Is there anyone you enjoy watching? Like you know, like you say, did you watch the, the Dustin fight against uh, Michael Chandler? Like, no, I was on a flight. Is there anyone where you're like, I am not missing that guy fighting? Well, that you just mentioned it. John? Two guys, you know, yeah. no, John Jones, but also Chandler, always action. Poirier, always action. You know, you have uh, um, Tony Ferguson, always the guys who always put it on the line and who don't mind to get knocked out or. Win by knockout. So you you must like Diaz as well. Are well you? Yeah, because they just go and they bring it. You know, the worst thing from a fighter, what I believe, you know, because I had a lot of guys who were really good and they wouldn't pull the trigger. And I know that they can win. I know that, but they're holding back, they're holding back, they're holding back. And if you come out of a fight and you're not tired and you, and you yeah. lost the fight, they go, that's on you. You know, but if you give everything that you have and then you lose, at least you know where you are. You see, because I gave it my all, it's time to go back to the drawing board and to start trading. Boss, you, you, so you, you fought a lot of different guys in a lot of different places. Pancreas, it doesn't matter where you're. Mm. 
who who did you get hit by where you're like, holy shit, I didn't know this guy hit this hard. Hit. Not wrestling. I'm not talking Ken Shamrock. I'm talking like packed a punch where you felt it. Uh, only in training I had that. Never in a fight. I had uh, Pedro Hizo. He hit me one time that I I thought, uh, you know, that I saw white. And then I, I just I just acted my way out of it. And he's got also, and I just, I just can clean with that. He almost got me with a liver shot also with his freaking heavy legs that he has. And he kicked me hard. And then my answer was because I was, first of all, I looked at the clock right away. How much time do I have left? And I start throwing on purpose a lot of crosses, which is something you never want to do because you're exposing yourself and he might hit you there again. But for him, I paint a picture that I'm if he would pain. be hurt, he would never throw that punch. <laughs> you see? And it worked. It worked. He didn't hit me there anymore. And I was so happy that I survived wow. that run. Yeah. So he was the one that you... Uh, right there? Pedro Hizo, yeah. UFC champ also. He's got such a heavy hands. And, and kicks, his kicks, I mean, his thighs. I mean, he fought uh, Kevin Reynoldman as well. And if you see Kevin's leg after the fight, I mean, you hit it and it goes wow, full with blood. You know, was my, one of my favorite fights I saw was a, a Randleman against Fedor. Oh, that fight is, I mean, obviously, a lot of people say that, but that, but have that you was, seen that fight? I get not at the top of my head. No, that was after he knocked out Krokop, right? So he knocks out Krokop, he fakes a takedown, boom, Krokop out. Then he fights Fader next, and he suplexes him on his head like a whole place went crazy. I thought we have the first death. I mean, on his neck, and then Fader. By, just by the way, him. here's what I want to do. Hey, and Malik, Eric, in the back. If you, I always, you know what I always like to see. I like to see the reaction of people seeing it for the first time. I don't want you to show it on the screen so the audience doesn't see it, and I don't want you to show uh, 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 audio. I just want to see Adam's reaction. Uh, when he sees this happen, it's it's a two, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Let yeah. me just pull this up. I'm gonna send it to you, uh, and I want you to see this reaction of Adam. And because you're going to say, I'm telling you right now, you're gonna say you think the guy died, you think Fedor died. Do you agree with this? Like yeah, you think no, your neck uh, is like I, I, two others ones that I just I send it to you. Pull it up. Arona and, and, and Quentin Jackson when he slams him, that one was a scary one Ray too, Ray right? Jackson. <laughs> no, no, you see this. I just send it to you if you want to pull it up. It's uh, uh, just yeah, just put Randleman. That's right. And remember, guys, don't don't play this. I don't want the audience We're to watch see this. It right this here. is just for us. <clears throat> Make it bigger so he can see it. Yeah. So so this this. And by the way, if, if you, later on you ought to watch this on your own, just to kind of see the audience. No, go back a little bit. No, no. Let, yeah. Let, no. Yeah. No. I no. Would... Go back. Go. Go. Let it. Let it play. Just leave it alone. Leave it alone. Watch this. Okay. So they're doing what they're doing. It's mm -hmm. easy. And Fedor is. Fake man, Randleman, I miss him. He was such an animal. Randleman is a human specimen. Oh, okay. Such a Watch what he does. Watch what he does right here. Oh, this is this is not that's it. Not no, it. It's, it's, it's coming it's up. Got, it's gonna be much worse. <laughs> no, you're going to think he broke his neck. Yeah, it's. I had two more instances that I thought was uh, also Bob Sepp and Nogueira. That was one. He pile drive them into the ground. I go, whoa. Did Did you ever? Did you and Fedor ever do anything or no? No, no. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, <laughs> did you see that? <laughs> to go back again. Go back again. Go back again and see that again. Right there. Just let us see. Okay, watch this again. Oh, oh my man. God. Jesus. Oh, my God. I didn't even go see a chiropractor. I'm just, oh. Well, then you have another Fast one. forward 40 seconds. Fast forward yeah, 40 now, seconds. Go to the end. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Armbar. Kimura. Yeah, right there. Let it go. Watch what happens here. Yeah, he's going to go for the Kimura. 
how quickly it flips on him. Yeah, it goes underneath there. We got it. It's over. Well, yep. It's over. He wins and the fight. He ends fight. up winning the fight. He could have had a broken neck, but he ends up winning the fight in an armbar. Well, this guy. No, I mean, but Noguera versus Bob Sapp. Like, Bob Sapp came in like 340 pound muscle, 10% body fat, like uh, a freaking nature. Do you know who Bob Sapp is? Yeah. Pull up Bob Sapp so he knows the, what Bob yeah. The audience needs to see what Bob Sapp looks like. Go ahead. Keep going. Not Warren Dude, Sapp. Bob Sapp. So Noguera shoots in on him, and he grabs around his waist. Bob Sapp does, and he lifts him up, and he pile drives him. Big boy, right? Into the ground. Yeah, I oh, go, wow. okay, this is. size of this character. This is not going to be good. So you and Fedor never did anything? No. There was a talk about, you know, um, for a moment, but I started training. It was after seven years I didn't compete. And uh, two weeks in, uh, my injury started coming back, and I said, I can't. I can't do it. I was, I, I was going to try it. Been, that would have been something. It would have been great, you know, because for me, it was just for me, can I survive this fight? I, I just wanted to see if I can go to this with Fikki Fader was, was the, the freaking man at the time, 28 wins in a row. I mean... He was, he was something, man. He was slaughtering everybody. And, and the way he plays his mind games, you know, you're on the ground. And he, it, it looks like he's, do, he's sloppy, but he's all doing that for a purpose. You know, you think, oh, he's just a boop, but he got you. You know, it's, it's a very smart man. Huh. Can I, a question, like some of these guys I've heard of, some of them I haven't heard of. Um, we're at a point in society today where we're in the eyeball economy, the attention economy. The more followers and eyeballs you get, the better your brand. I mean, we saw what happened with Conor McGregor, and he's a, a beast regardless, even yeah. if he didn't talk. But the fact that he talks so much is just so amplified. Now you've got like sort of the reincarnation uh, of McGregor with this guy Patty, Patty the Batty, right? How much of an influence in like his split decision, or he actually won, was because he's such a big figure, such a public figure that they, they want someone with that much pizzazz to continue winning. Do you see what happened with this fight this weekend? I, I a lot of people are yeah. saying that he didn't win. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, it's like if you're going to beat a guy who, like, they want you, they want to kind of be up there, you got to win convincingly. I guess what are your thoughts on just someone with this a massive personality and how they operate today? Well, he needs to keep on training really freaking hard, you know. I, I never went saying things about my opponent because the more you say that you're going to do the more pressure you put on yourself because guess what everything you're saying they will show that on the big screen when you come out and you hear yourself saying oh this guy's nothing i'm gonna slice him up i'm gonna choke i'm gonna do this and now you're walking to the ring and you go like shit i better do it you see so you put unnecessary pressure on your shoulders that's what i always believed so i i, I try to stay away from uh, stare downs i don't like to look in the eyes i'm a hothead you know, if he tries to do something, I go and I get angry. Once you lose control, you lose the fight. You know, you need controlled anger. You know, you need to be calm at all times. I had this coach in my last fight who came to me uh, just before the fight. I went out and he took me to. He said, "Can I talk to you outside?" He goes, "Okay, sure." And he says to me, "Listen, man, this guy tries to take food away from your family." I go, oh, "Stop right there." I said, what do you mean? I said, I don't need this talk. He says, "Why not?" I said, "Because it makes me angry. I don't want to be angry. I want to control it." You know, once you make you're angry. Instead of hitting like this, you're hitting, you're loading up because, and you're telegraphing. So you want to be as calm as possible. I think that equally skilled fighters, the guy with the most control is always going to win. Gotcha. So are, are there those that do better being angry? Are there those that perform better angry? Yeah. I, Vandalay Silva made a whole freaking career out of it. What a machine. What a, like, you know, but sound perfectly technical? Not so much. You want to clinch with him? Do not clinch with the guy. He's going to knock you out. And yeah, everything hits. Yeah. And it might need to be super te technical, but he can aim, dude. I mean, everything lands on the button. So, you know, and he's super aggressive. He just comes one speed, full speed. 
That's it. But a really good fighter. I never got this. You know, in the World Valetudo Championships over in Brazil, he got beaten by a boxer. This is all the way back before he became big. And the boxer was just using angles and, and footwork and just picking him apart from the outside. And again, nobody saw that fight. Why would you roll the dice against a guy like that? You put him against Michael Chandler, both of these guys are the same. Now it's literally whoever gets hit first is going to win. But if you're smart, just engage you at the same thing. You know, that's a fighter, always exciting. But you know, finally, I almost want to say thankfully, but I, that's a bad thing to say, he got knocked out twice. And that made him a better fighter because mm, then he started boys. taking, yeah, you see? That's, and I told him way, be, uh, way before, because he used to fight for the World Series of Fighting, and I was the commentator for that. I said, dude, stop that fighting style. You know, you want to be able to talk to your kids once you have kids. You know, this is, it's going to hurt you eventually. Yeah, but the fans love it. I said, they don't care. You, you, you lose three fights, and you're nobody anymore. That, those fans, you're really fighting for those fans? Be smart. You know, and, and then when he got knocked out, suddenly he started listening to Trevor Whitman, his coach, who was an incredible coach, and, and now he became a better fighter because of it. Can I give you a little bit of maybe a different perspective? This is not my world. I'm just I'm, I'm posing devil's advocate here. This is not Adam. This is me just sort of, what would you say to somebody that says, all right, Bass, I hear what you're saying. Be stoic. Don't get emotional. Like, don't talk trash. What would you say to the person that was like, well, Bass, that was maybe in your time in the 90s, but today in 2022, it's all about eyeballs. If you look at what like Jake Paul is doing, trolling people, McGregor, Patty the Batty, the list goes on. They might say, well, it's probably even more important than ever to run your mouth and talk smack and be a troll. What would you say to those people? I would say, look at Fedor Melianenko. Right? They have, a, they have a, a magazine in, uh, in Japan where you have like 40 pictures of uh, all the same facial expressions. And says, Fedor happy, Fedor sad, Fedor angry, Fedor, you know, like <laughs> he never had an expression, never said anything bad, never did anything, but everybody wanted to see him fight because he was just that good. You know, it's very mysterious to have a guy with no tattoos, no profanity, no nothing, who's the perfect guy. You know, very nice, very respected. And then once in the ring, he'll just destroy people. I think that guys like that will pull a lot of fans to them as well. Now, a lot of people try that, but they're just not on that level. Huh. Well, so. who, did, he, did he have a brother? What's Fedor? Uh, yeah, Alex. And Alex also fought, no? He also fought. Is that famous thing against George Thompson when George Thompson stands in front of him like, and he starts shaking and he looks and he holds his eyes back like this at the, at the stare down. The Alex, by the way, if you have to choose between who you want to fight, Go, go to Alex's picture. Go well, to Yeah, but watch, watch that first thing. Is that against Thompson, the top one? Yeah. Watch the stare down when, it, when Thompson starts shaking. And I watch Alex, the way he reacts. And that could have been the moment he won the fight already. Yeah, I remember this. When they go all the way to the, front, to the, the stare down. And that guy. You see, he's all shaking. You see? <laughs> and then uh -huh. he and look up, look like, who's right behind like, him. Fedor's oh, well, right well, behind him. His brother's right behind him. But Alex is... Yo, this this guy is like a street brawler. Like you can tell. Oh, you don't want to mess with that no, guy on the street. No, this streets, is right? the guy you don't want to mess with. Well, Fader would say it. Fader would say that he, my brother, beats me up. So, Have you ever seen his brother fight? No, but the fact that he's a little kind of out of shape and sloppy that oh, doesn't, that, doesn't don't, mean don't let that really? fool you. No, Seriously? look at Fader. I mean, everybody goes, I want to have someone. All that time that you spent on your stupid weight training and looking good, yeah. those guys are actually using the same time to get better in fighting. Huh. 
Huh. Forget about that stupid stuff. Do it three times a week. With uh, I do a lot of repetitions, explosive, you know. And then I say, yeah, it's lighter weights, but still, I would do uh, 80 kilograms. I would do 30 repetitions. You know, that's it's still 100, 180 pounds. You know, you just do more repetitions. You still get strong. But it's not about being muscle and looking good. Too, too, too many guys focus on that. I go, focus on fighting. Yeah. That's what the people want well, So abs are overrated when it comes to fighting, oh, like 100%. being chiseled? Yeah. So, like, when you look at, like, uh, Tyson Fury. Yeah. That, I mean, he doesn't have the ideal body type, yeah. but that just guy just wins and wins and wins. For boxing, though, he's got this crazy reach. He's crazy tall. Yeah. And, he's, and he's distance. You see? There you go again. He controls the distance. Yeah. It's very so hard to So the fact that he doesn't have the ideal body type is not that Nothing. big of a concern. Are you trying to say Tyson Fury doesn't have a six-pack in that picture? Is that what you're <laughs> <laughs> well, well, say it to I his face. I love that guy. I, I love I don't know. Guy. When you get on a podcast, I never thought I'd give the middle finger to freaking Bass Root. <laughs> but I tell Here you, I am doing a middle but, finger face-off. You know what? Also, a, a part of him is family lineage. Oh, his yeah. family. Like his dad is like that whole... You know, uh, the, uh, didn't you say you did you say something to Fury? You you made a comment to the son, or uh, what was the story about yourself with Fury and oh, uh, Jake was, Paul? Or the, he had trouble. The coaches had problems to come to America when he was right, going to box. Right, and I said I'll be his coach because I just love that family. I mean, I love what Tyson Fury does. You know, if you just became a world champion, you grab the microphone away from the ring speaker and you start singing a love song That's to your sick. wife. How cool is that? That's and they're together oh. since they were like twelve years yeah. old. You know, I mean. That's cool. There's, there's that something very, very genuine uh, about this guy. Can't stop watching this guy. But the the brother Tommy Fury. We talked about Jake Paul earlier. W what was your involvement? I think that's what Pat was asking you. Did you offer to corner? Yeah, Tommy that's Fury what against that's what Jake right Paul. Now. What's the, the yeah. situation with that right out, now? If he wanted here. to come to train here in America, that's what was the talk. You know, I would welcome him with open arms. You know, I would love to train a guy like that. But, but is, is that a conversation that's actively being taken no, place, or it's more unfortunately not? Yeah. They, Listen, they, they have Tyson, yeah. his coaches. They're doing really well. well so, so to, I mean, look at look at Tyson's body and the way that he looks versus Tommy. Tyson's way more accomplished. <laughs> Meanwhile, you have this kid who's chiseled, good looking, but I don't know if he's accomplished anything. Is that's it sort it. of a facade? His his good body? Well, th we don't know. We, we're going to have to sure. figure that out. You know, it's all about the record. Once you start destroying people. It's not. You know, you have guys looking freaking awesome in the UFC and killing yeah. everybody. But then you have guys who look really great. And who would be favored well. or who do you think would win with uh, Tommy Fury versus Jake Paul if they fought today? <sighs> you see, that's a hard one now because I, well, I, I, I got to give the props. Question. Yeah, I got to give the props to uh, to Paul, right? Jake really? Paul. I mean, he, he really, I start really to like this guy. And the reason I like him is because... The speech that he made after the Tyron Woodley knockout, he started talking about, listen, guys, he got the microphone, and, uh, you know, I never understand I was a bully, but I realize now, because I started boxing, and I did so many, it's training is so hard, that I take it to the next level, you know, I realized I was an asshole, I was a bully, and, uh, you know, and now it stopped, and I'm I, now I want to be positive to the people. And I go, wow, when you see him running, and he's doing everything, you know, and uh, BJ uh, Flores is his coach, is a friend of mine, uh, and but he's... Everything that he says he was going to do, he's doing. Yeah. I mean, Anderson Silva, and I go, if everybody was, and I was thinking too, Anderson was going to win this fight, but still, he beat him. You know, yes, he's older, but he beat him. You know, so you got to give props to a guy like that. He's not running. Right. You know, and he so wants to fight everybody. you think he would beat Fury? No, I'm saying it's a hard one to call right. I've never seen Fury fight to tell you the truth. So I just need to see that. But the, the willingness and the, and the heart that Jake Paul has right now, you know, his breathing could be better than always, but I always look at the breathing. But he will get even more stamina. 
Um, it, it's a hard one because he hits hard. He starts knocking people out left and right. I mean, hanging with freaking Anderson Silva should say it all. Yeah, no, no, no matter what the age is, you, this guy, he's, he's, you know what he's doing right now, which is very interesting with Jake Paul? He's baptizing a lot of people. Not, not in the ring. I'm not talking about like he baptized a guy, knocked him out. He's converting a lot of people into liking him and believing in him, which is kind of interesting. You never thought it was going to happen with him, but it is happening with him. Uh, boss, the dangers of, of, of MMA boxing, how, how, many, how, many, how dangerous is the game in regards to people actually dying in the game of MMA? Almost no, zero. Almost no. Yeah. More. Why more boxing than it is in MMA? Because boxing, every boxing training, you do a lot of sparring. And guess what? 90% of the punches go to the head. You know, so you take a lot of punishment in the, in the sparring already. Boxing also, the, the extreme weight cuts, also take the fluids in your brain away, which are there for a reason, to, you know, the cushion, the, 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 the airbag, so to say, the water bag in this case. Uh, so, but everything is focused on the head. In MMA, you say, oh, yesterday I had a hard sparring session in striking. Let's go wrestle today. Let's go to submissions today. Yeah. You see, you can switch in between, yeah. and it's st you're still in shape. You still can use it for the fight. Have you followed the story of uh, uh, Sugar Ray Robinson and is it Jimmy Doyle? Do you know that story? No. Do you know the story, Sugar Ray Robinson <laughs> and Jimmy Doyle? So it's very, very interesting. So this is a fight back. If you can Google this, Sugar Ray Robinson and Jimmy Doyle, go to go to uh, go to all and see what year this fight was. Uh, zoom in. Uh, go to the day these guys fought in Cleveland. The fight, oh, there it is. Uh, go back right there. They fought in Cleveland, June 25th, 1947. So here's what happens. Sugar Robinson is fighting Jimmy Doyle. The night before, Sugar Ray Robinson goes to sleep, has a nightmare that he punches Jimmy Doyle with a left, hand, left punch, and he kills him. <laughs> Do you know this story? So he comes in the morning. Sugar Ray says, I don't want to fight this guy. To the pastor, Catholic priest. Yeah. He says, why? He says, last night I had a nightmare that I killed him. He says, what are you talking about? He says, I'm telling you, I don't want to fight this guy. I'm afraid I'm going to kill this guy. So they fight. Sugar Ray hits him with a left punch, okay? Falls to the ground, goes to the hospital, the guy dies. Jeez. You didn't know this? Story? No. The wow. guy dies. By the way, Oof, when you hear him telling the story, Sugar Ray, when he's telling the story, he's crying telling the story. Yeah. The guy, Jimmy, was planning on taking that money to buy a house for his mom from the fight. When Jimmy dies, Sugar Ray feels so bad. The next four fights, he gives all the money to Jimmy's yeah. mom. Wow. And, Jim, and Sugar Ray, for the rest of his life, he's afraid to throw the left when he's fighting people. Yep. You hear these types of stories sometimes. You're like, man. I, and you hear it more in the, I mean, you, 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 you hear it more in the boxing world than you hear about it in the MMA world. In the, MMA world. The, the ones that died were always com uh, companies that didn't have all the checks. You know, like some company somewhere where they didn't have CAT scans and all that stuff because they would get hit and then they found out later that the guy had a, thick, a weaker skull and he had uh, spots that were very weak, you know. So, and, and the UFC, Bellator, all these companies, they, they have so such a thorough uh, body checks that it's okay. Yeah, it, the only reason I ask is because what's, what's more dangerous to get in the face? I mean, you've you got a punch or a kick. Or a knee. It's got to be the kick, of course. That's knee, what I'm saying, you know, right? So if you got a knee or a kick, and how come no one in UFC has died from a knee or a kick, but blows, they have a boxing? It blows me away. And especially if you get kicked by like a guy like Mirko Krokop. Yeah. Who did I say, Holy why is your kick yeah. so strong? What is the trick? He says, I do after a workout a thousand kicks every time. A thousand kicks. 
You know, it's like Bruce Lee used to say. He says, I'm not worried about the guy who knows 10,000 kicks. I know I'm worried about the guy who knows one kick, yeah. but did it 10,000 times. <laughs> That's a scary kick. That's a scary kick. Masuyama, the, 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 the yeah. guy from uh, Kyokushin Karai, who would knock out bulls. Yeah. Like knocking out bulls. That's how strong his punch was. And when they asked him in an interview, what do you want to get stronger in your body? He goes, my punch. <laughs> I go, okay, you see, it's never good enough. <laughs> no. Krokop, one time, in, by the way, Krokop's humor was, uh, he had a sense oh, of personality. Bad. Did you see what I did with him at Mauro Ronello? No. Oh, Mauro Ronello. So, this is a fun story. Mauro Ronello is a really great commentator, right? He's doing, the, he's doing Showtime boxing. He's doing Bellator. He's doing WWE. He's doing it all. I actually put him in the business. I uh, met him a long time ago, and I said, dude, you got a talent. And then when they were looking for a new commentator in Pride, I said, I hope his number works because it was four years ago when I put him in there. Can you pull him up? Can you pull him up, Rob? Go for so it. So everybody's afraid a little bit, and Krokop only wanted to be interviewed by me always, whatever reason there was. And he's facing Ron Waterman at the time. And what we would do with the commentators, I would then I would take Mirko Krokop as the interview, and then he would do Ron Waterman for the interview, the pre-fights. So Ron Waterman comes in because I set this whole thing up, and he goes to the table, and I sit down, and I start interviewing Ron Waterman. So after he walks out, I suddenly I go like, oh, shoot. I go, what? And he goes, what, what, what? I said, dude, I interviewed Ron Waterman. What do you mean? What do you mean? I say, you're going to have to interview Krokop. No, 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 no. I don't want to Krokop. <laughs> he doesn't like me. But that was the whole setup. And yeah. I went to Krokop and I said, man, pull him through the ringer. You know, when he, when he starts, <laughs> dude, you got to see it. It's online. We filmed it. Is it really? Oh, he got What so is scared. it on, though? Is it something we can watch it? Because if it's yeah. like a main network, if we pull it, they may, uh, no, they may flag it. No, it's a YouTube uh, is it? clip. It's a YouTube clip. It's Mauro Ronello, uh, Mirko Krokop punks Mauro Ronello. Okay. And I was the brain behind it because I want to say that because I'm very proud of that one. <laughs> See if you can find this one because I, I've seen, uh, uh, I've seen Crocop uh, um, in one of the interviews. Uh, there it is. I found it in one of the in interviews where uh, they say, "Hey, so Crocop, uh, why do you have that uh, black eye? It was a scratch or something he had on his face." This is what happened. There says, "Well, this is late last night. I had, I had a few friends over." And they said, really? What, what kind of friends? These, these two ladies were over. <laughs> he says, what happened? It was a rough night. <laughs> a rough night. He said, and he says a joke. He says, you think this is bad? You should see them. To the girl, which was very interesting. So this guy's sense of humor was, uh, uh, and, and his left kick was a vicious, vicious red, uh, left kick. By the way, uh, uh, boss, do you follow soccer? Are you a soccer guy? Yeah, yeah. No? I, you know when the World Championships come in the European? Yes, so I do. Are you following the World Cup or no? Yes. Yeah, so okay. Did you did, were you following the story about the uh, um, Messi and the coach from Netherlands? Like, do you know the story behind it, the backstory of what happened, or no? No, don't know. Are you following it at all, or no? I saw something about Messi. Let me tell you, I thought it was it. so freak. So, so the so the, the 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 match ends. Netherlands loses to Argentina. I don't know if you saw yeah, that I or saw not. It, yeah. And then he goes up and he celebrates right in front of a, a, a what do you call it? Right in front of a, the coach. The, yeah. uh, the coach of Netherlands, uh, Luis van Gaal, who is a legend in the, yeah. in the soccer world. He's a legendary coach. And he goes to him and he says, you talk too much. You didn't see that part? No. It's pretty epic. So he goes <laughs> to him and says, hey, you talk too much. And everybody's there looking at Messi because Messi typically doesn't have a temper like this. Messi's been very angry. angry. So apparently the story behind Luis van Gaal is back in 2002, van Gaal becomes a coach of Barcelona. And at that time, they have this player that comes in whose name is Riquelme, who Riquelme, van Gaal asked him to play out of position. 
Van Gaal, Riquelme says, I'm not going to play out of position. Anyways, he couldn't stand Riquelme. And Riquelme, when he would score a goal, he would come up and go like this. Okay? So when Messi scores a goal, he goes right in front of Van Gaal's bench. And he goes like this oh, to him, geez. saying Riquelme, because prior to the game, uh, the coach Van Gaal said, if we go to a penalty shootout, we're going to beat him his week. And he says, Messi doesn't play defense. Anyways, it was amazing uh, to see how uh, – Messi remembers the revenge from 20 years ago because Riquelme was his captain and he's seeking vengeance for Riquelme against the coach 20 years later. 20 years later. Pretty like wild. an elephant. Yeah, it's like an elephant, exactly. <laughs> so who do you think is going to win? Are you following any of it to see if it's going to be France, Morocco? I think Argentina's playing... Uh, 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 are they playing it's Morocco? France versus Morocco. France, Argentina, Morocco, Argentina against Croatia. Croatia. Yeah. France, uh, Morocco. I mean, Morocco is doing really well right now. So I don't know, you know, it would be cool. They never got it, right? The Dutch, why the white we went three times to the finals. The team that went the most time to the finals but never won. Yeah. Uh, so they, they call Netherlands the greatest uh, World Cup team ever that never won. Yeah. You guys the, the, they they put teams together, but it's like Stockton and Malone or Charles Barkley. No, but these guys listen, these guys are actually like they deserve to have won. And it's unfortunately, you know, in the world of competition, man, you can say deserve all you want, but you know, it's whoever takes it. Yep. And in soccer, it's not necessarily the best team that wins because it's only one game. It's a very technical game. There's luck involved. There's a lot of things involved in it. I saw just on that movie, 83. Did you see that one? No. Uh, the Indian uh, movie when they won the world championships in cricket. Uh -uh. They never won even the first game, ever. They won one time, but it was a team that they put last minute together, yeah. so it was never considered to win. And then they went in and they started saying that they were going to win this time. And everybody was literally laughing at them at the press conferences. And they went all the way. Sick. <laughs> it's so By sick. By the way, do you, know the biggest, do you know the biggest sporting, most viewed uh, sporting event in the world? Do you know what's the most viewed? I would, I would guess soccer, the World right? Cup. It's, cr it's cricket. <laughs> uh, I want to say India against Pakistan. 225 million people watched it. Oh, wow. The entire country. They yeah. They, watching they, the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're talking about 225 million people. This. How many people watched the Super Bowl? 104 million. So it's running laps around the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. and by the way, the, believe it or not, the one right now that they're saying is going to kill everybody is the eSports, the video game. The video gamers are are lapping Super Bowl right now. They're saying E-Game Championship is going to be the most viewed sporting event in the world. Matter of fact, if it isn't already. Uh, and what, video games? Yeah, video games. That's not, that's not a sport. They then, call right? it eSports, though. That's what they call you it. You just they offended a lot of people there, Gus. <laughs> so you're going to have a lot of 18-year-old nerds coming after I you, I know. Bro. It's like, but you know, when you do the darts and you see them drinking beer, and I go, <laughs> <laughs> is it a sport? <laughs> it is a sport. By the baller. way, so so I wanted to get your, uh, your uh, are you are you pulling up to see if it actually is time? Go, go to the most viewed one, most watched eSports. Sport. Go number one, go number one, go number one. I just can't see Bass watching this. Look at it. 5.41 million, but it's coming up. But if you go to the most viewed sporting event of all time, okay, type in most viewed, most viewed sporting event of all time. <laughs> the Beijing Olympics? Hmm. Uh, what does it say? 4.7 billion. 4.7 billion people watching it. Holy shit, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. Damn, 4.7. That's more than half of the world. Dude, that's more than half of the world. That's <laughs> yeah. That seems to be like collectively the Olympics. That's like over a, a month period, how many people watch. But are you talking about just one specific event, like so the Super Bowl? I'm looking at it right now. Final. Kentucky Derby yeah. is there. Daytona 500 is there. NBA Finals, the one in 1998 with Michael Jordan is eighth the spot. game, Utah. Uh, 15th spot. Let's see what we got here. Actually, I'm curious right now. March Madness, 1975, 35 million people. 
X Games, 37 million people. Uh, let's see here, World Series, 1978, 44 million people. Uh, I want to see who number one is here because I want to say it was cricket, 225 million. What's this one here? Rugby, 1995. They had a bunch, 88, what? 800 and there's no way. 800? 857 million people watched that. What was that? Rugby. rugby. Holy shit. Asian Games was 986. Uh, and then you have UFC. There's no way. 1.1 billion broadcasts reach is what they're saying for one of Connor's fights. Boxing, 2 billion people watch Ali Leon Spinks in 78. Damn, that's a big number right there. Winter Olympics, we got 2.1 billion in 06. What is the most one? Cricket. There you go. 2.2 billion people. Wow. For 2019. That watched that. And then uh, we have Tour de France, 3.5 billion. Tour de France. Do you three watch and Tour and de France? Billion. No. Seems like a high number. FIFA World Cup 2018, uh, 3.57 billion. And the most viewed one was Summer Olympics, 3.6 billion. It's the one you pulled out. That one right there. It's pretty sick to see that. But by the way, do you know who Zion Williamson is? No. Zion William, Williamson? Do you, you obviously know who he is? Of course. Okay. By the so, way, they're the number one team in the uh, I know the they are. Conference they're right West, now. man. I, I, he's, just, he's a beast uh, power forward for New Orleans. So Char Charles team. Barkley always says, he says, no one in the NBA fights. They all talk a lot, right? Yeah. But there was this video circulating about Zion Williamson street fighting. Okay, did I text it to you or no? Like, no. I, yeah, you sent that. to Did me. I send yeah. it to you or did you just go look it up? No, no, no. I looked it okay, up. Okay, right, so right. I want to I want to show this to you because I want you to you know again you're judging a street fighter. This guy's a big boy. He's somebody that if you type in Zion Williamson on YouTube street fight, I want to see what kind of a, a, a commentary, what kind of score you'll give this guy here. Uh, it is a short. Okay, I just found it. I'm texting it to you. Okay, I'm actually curious to know how Boss Rutten is going to say Zion is doing in a fight. And I'm sure Zion's going to see this here if you give him some credit. I just, there you go, right, right there. Okay. He threw a kick, right? Okay, you can turn this one on for them to see it and put it from the beginning because the audience didn't see it. So, uh, Malik, from the back, go up and bring it down. Go up and bring it, you know, refresh it so people can see it again. So, if you can do me a favor from the back, Malik, actually show this. This one we can show. Yeah, go ahead. Lower the audio a little bit if you can. Okay, so the guy in the gray shirt. Gray shirt, that's Zion. Wow. That's a street fight. They're all, look at this. Whoa. They can't hit him, he's too tall. <laughs> and he's not trying to fight. He's walking away. He's like, dude, I don't want to fight. But you see again, it's distance. He stayed outside there. Watch what he does. It's not even over yet. He's about to light it up. He's, He's not trying to fight. Right yeah. Finally says, all right, guys, you want this? You're going to get Now he starts knocking right him out. All the smoke. <laughs> wow. <laughs> just plummeting people. Yeah, listen. That's, those are athletes, you know? They're just athletes who listen to instruction. He's talking to the guy. Okay, yeah, so this, by the way, this guy is six, six I don't know what it is, six, 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 six two, eighty five. Plus he's an athlete. Huge. Plus he's an athlete, yeah. yeah. So he understands body mechanics, you know, and he, he probably took a few boxing classes and guys like that. Oh, you think absorbed. like, you don't think that's that's natural. That guy took some kind of lesson. Yeah, he'll, he'll be working with it. He was 22 years old. 
Yeah, 22 yes. years. But in yeah. the video, he's not 22. In the video, he's but much 18. younger. Wow. Yeah, six, by, by the way, six, I have a problem with this. What? Because here you have a kid. He's 22 now. This video is how many years old? I have no guess. idea, but it's a while. Maybe he's in college, yeah. maybe in high school. He's yeah. 18, 19, whatever he is. All it takes is one idiot to take out a knife and stab him. It takes an idiot to just pull out a gun and That's shoot it. him. This is a franchise player. Okay. This is a franchise player who could potentially literally take his team to an NBA championship this year. He's going to make hundreds of millions of dollars over his career. But one stupid fist fight at a drunk high school party, he could never be heard of again. 100%. And that is very scary to me. Yeah, but he tried to avoid it, right? He, he tried constantly to avoid it, to walk away. I don't want it. I don't want it. You're right. 100%. I wouldn't be a bouncer now. I mean, if you're a bouncer now, there's, there's weapons. And if they know who you are, who's going to fight you? If you're a professional fighter, you think they're going to fight you without a weapon? Oh, of course no. not. No, hell no. It's not the... But that was interesting. Seeing a basketball player like that fighting at the age that he did. Boss, this has been a blast having you on. Can you oh. tell us about these products? What, what, what oh. are these things that you got here? Okay, it's, an, um, it's a, a long training device. It's the inspiratory muscle training. So first of all... We, uh, we, I'm saying, because Dr. Belisa Vrenic, she's a world-renowned breathing expert, mm -hmm. and myself, we put a collaboration together. We made an, uh, an, a three-hour instruction about breathing and what breathing does for you, because everybody believes that we breathe the correct way, right? But we won't. 95% of us doesn't breathe the correct way. And the people who are breathing, the 5%, are probably people who have breathing classes. So what you achieve with that is like you can get up to five times more oxygen in your body. This is a big thing. I mean, because we all breathe incorrect. And the reason we breathe incorrect is it starts at the age of five and a half, you know, because that's where we become self-conscious uh, about our bodies. And we see superheroes and, and models and the women and the boys, they realize if they keep breathing through their belly like they're supposed to, then, well, they might think they're fat. So they start breathing incorrect. It's also, they go to school, put bellies on, they're sitting all day long, you know, it makes it harder to breathe through the belly. Uh, you go to the doctor's office, they put a stethoscope or high on your chest, take a deep breath. So mm -hmm. you automatically think your lungs are here, but your lungs are not there. They're completely here. The, the densest, most rich oxygen part is at the bottom of your lungs, but we all breathe here, right? So once you start changing that, it's just it's just bizarre. I, I, I gave one, an uh, inspiratory muscle trainer to... Um, to uh, Lioto Machida, and he left me a message. I can let you hear it if you want. And he said, dude, I don't understand this. He was doing it for four months. This takes four minutes a day. And he said he had COVID, and after COVID, he took two days off, and then he started training with his guys that are fighting in the UFC, mm -hmm. in Bellator, all these big yep. companies. He says, I was outworking everybody. My stamina is so insane. And that's what correct breathing does. And in this course, we go over it. All the things, anxiety, PTSD, uh, why, why do you calm down? Because it's the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve, that's the 10th cranial nerve that invo is involved in pretty much every action in the body. And once you stimulate that nerve by breathing, it lowers your heart rate, your blood pressure, and in turn, of course, your cortisol levels, you, you become calm. All these benefits that you have, back problems are suddenly fixed. I mean, endurance goes up, stamina, my... my, my um, Asthma completely disappeared after I started working with the prototype of the auto trainer. And listen, I had to take an auto trainer with me, an auto trainer, an, an uh, inhaler with me everywhere I went. Every fight that I had in my past, every single fight in the dressing room, I would spray my wow. lungs open to fight. Yeah. Three weeks with the thing, suddenly it was gone. But I was realizing I was simply breathing incorrectly. So I got in contact with Dr. Belisa Vranich, by Joey Diaz, the, the comedian. Mm -hmm. And he said, I think you guys work well together. And I went to her uh, office at the time, was at the park uh, on Fifth Avenue in New York. And the first thing she did was reading my, um, 
my measurements, my chest measurements, because the more you can expand, the easier it is to fill up your lungs. And she measures and she starts laughing. She says, nah, that's not possible. She says, do it again. So I exhale, inhale again. She says, one moment. She runs out and she comes back with another doctor. And uh, I said, what's going on? She says, well, if I don't bring him, he's not going to believe what you just did. He said, because normally when somebody breaks the record, they break it like with one eighth of an inch or something. You just went almost more than two inches over everybody else. So my breathing IQ, which is in which they measure, you can go to thebreathingiq.com. That's a website where you can measure how you breathe. Like for instance, if I tell you, take a deep breath. You see, you're, you're using your chest. That you can get up to five times more oxygen in your body by just breathing diaphragmatically. So everybody, 95% of us, like I said, you see me in world title fights, <laughs> breathing like this, completely wrong. So once you start changing that and you realize what you're doing and that we're not breathing uh, correctly and you throw your ego to the side, now suddenly everything starts increasing. You have all these strength and conditioning coaches, they become the coach of the year, you know, and but they don't pay attention to breathing. If you go to Jack Daniels, who is the best, not to drink, of course, the best endurance coach on the planet, that's the first thing they do. He gets a new athlete in, take off your shirt, they watch him breathe. If that breathing is not correct, he will fix that first before he starts working with you. So breathing is pretty much everything that you need to know. And then this course is called Breathing for Warriors. And Breathing for Warriors... Um, it's for people under pressure also, for cops, for law enforcement. And we go over every little detail of the fight, for instance, because you all breathe different in certain parts of the fight. If you're very close, well, you cannot really breathe because if you inhale and you get hit at the moment you inhale, well, you go down. This is actually how I won my second fight in, um, in Japan. I was very sick. I was uh, all day long. They let me travel for eight hours. This was my, after I knocked one guy out. Mm. Sorry. And um, eight hours traveling, I was throwing up. My manager was carrying my uh, my luggage. Uh, finally, I'm in the fight. I, he gets me in an armbar, and I just want to tap. But then my ego took over because they started chanting for him, and I go like, okay, shit. I got out. But I didn't have a lot of stamina. And I'm standing with him, and I see him breathe very heavy. And I pull his arm to the side, and I was timing it. <sighs> and on the third inhale, I knee him. And this guy goes down. If you see him go down, it looks like I shot him. That's how hard. And the knee wasn't really that hard. It was just perfectly timed. So that means that if you're close to an opponent and you're breathing wrong, that's why they always say in boxing and in kickboxing when they're getting tired, go for the body, right? Mm. Because they can't really control their breathing anymore. And at the moment, again, when you hit them, when they breathe in, you can do 5,000 sit-ups a day. It doesn't matter. You breathe in, you get hit, you go down. So all these moments we go over, breathing in quadrants, like, uh, well, you need to breathe through your core, right? But what if you're in fighting? You're on the back and somebody puts a knee on belly. Well, you're going to have to breathe different. Then you use this part of the chest and maybe the left side of your lungs. You see, there's all these little tricks that wow. you can do that increases yeah. everything. And what people don't seem to realize is that lungs don't do anything by themselves. Lungs are just two bags. There's not a single muscle in the lung. If you can't not expand your chest, you cannot fill up your lungs with air. It's very simple. So the more you can expand your chest, the more you can fill up your lungs. So if you think about it, your lungs, your chest doesn't expand because you put air in them. Your chest expands, and that's how you pull the air in. And once I realized that, okay, now I started training my breathing muscles, which are your diaphragm and your intercostal muscles, which are the muscles in between your ribs, right? And by the way, you have 11 pounds of those breathing muscles. Those are for inhaling. Exhaling is done with your all your core muscles, your obliques in your core, and your internal intercostal muscles that press all the air out. Now, it's very important to train those because if you go, for instance, um, metaborflex, that's just a nice word for saying gassing, right? You know what happens when you're gassing? 
So let's say you're running a hill and it gets very hard. Suddenly you start gassing. What gassing means is that the body regulates the bloodstream. It takes the blood, the oxygenated blood, takes it away from your legs and it sends it to your number one priority in the body, which are your breathing muscles. Because if you can't breathe for three minutes, you're dead. It's the number one priority. Water is the second, food is the third. You see, so once you realize, wait a minute, if I work out my breathing muscles and I make them stronger and I give yeah. them endurance, then everything starts to increase. So the combination of breathing, what it does, it's just, it's just bizarre. I had a guy was interviewing me, uh, Pastor Chet. Pastor Chet, his friend was in the hospital, COVID. The family was saying their goodbyes. And, um, and he said, boss, can he use that inspiratory muscle training? I said, no, because he's very sick right now. And this is an attack on the core. I have people actually buying it now for their core muscles to, so they get abs. I said, but tell him this, because his oximeter, it read like 81%, like it's a very low number for oxygen in the blood. I said, let him put a book on his solar plexus, because he's laying down all day long anyway. And then let him raise that book constantly with his belly. Start belly breathing. That's what you're doing. Next day, he had 96%. That was in one day. They wanted to write the guy off, and he jumped to 96% in one day. That's what breathing does for you. And people should understand it. That's why I'm so vocal about it. And I, I can't understand that no more people it, it pay attention to it. It changed my life. What it did for me, it was just bizarre. My breathing right now, if you see me breathing in a world champion fight, like I already said, I was raising the shoulders. Well, raising your shoulders, four to six of these breaths is the same as one diaphragmatic breath. Four to six of these breaths, raising your weight, you're raising your neck, your traps, everything needs endurance, right? Once you start breathing correctly, all these muscles don't have to work. Your endurance just jumps, uh, jumps up. And then if you add some weight training to your breathing muscles, and this is what the O2 trainer does, and it takes only like four minutes a day, now you're getting a really strong diaphragm. Now the diaphragm is a thin dome-shaped muscle tendon, muscle tendon that is attached to the bottom of your rib cage, right? It goes all the way here to the front so you can walk it down all the way to the back along the spine. Now that's, imagine the sides here are atta attached to your core. What the O2 trainer, what the O2 trainer does, it works the diaphragm. The diaphragm pushes down and it expands. And from that angle, you can't see a lot, but from the front, you see it expanding. Now that happens inside your body and that together with the intercostals, that will open up your chest. The more you can expand your chest, again, the easier it is to fill it up. Now, people go like, but there's products out there, they say that um, um, they increase your lung volume. I said, that's a lie. You know, we, we have a set pair of lungs, right? The guy, it's like a gallon and a half, 6.4 liters, I believe, and a woman, it's a gallon of take, you know, 4.1 liters. But what happens after the age of 29, your thoracic flexibility starts to decrease. So if you don't do any breath work, that means your lungs start actually shrinking because you can't completely open them up anymore. So once you start training those muscles, you bring them back to the original size they were in the very first place. So like what I said with you, when I said take a deep breath and you do that, your breathing can be so much better by just using a thing like this for four minutes. But the best part is, you have to watch the course. Watch the course. Go to breathingforwarriors.com. And there we explain everything that you are going to have and going to face in the in the course. She does breathing exercises where you get high almost. You just start tinkling. I mean, you, you're putting so much oxygen in your body. It's just insane. The breathingforwarriors.com. Breathingforwarriors. That's Dr. Belisa Franis right there that we just made fun with the vagus nerve. That's that nerve I was talking about yep. that calms you down. We do exercises on the cable machine, for instance. Exercises on the cable machine, if you do single punches, you know, you're working your core a lot. It makes it very strong. But what happens is 
because you're flexing at all times, it's very hard for you to breathe correctly. So this way, when you still do those exercises, you start focusing on when to take that breath that you really need. And that's it. Just being aware of your breath will change everything in your body. And it, like I said, it blows me away that no more people do it because we all look like guys like um, Tony Ferguson, right? He's, he's known for having stamina. And everybody says, why does he have that stamina? Well, look at him breathe when he comes back to the corner. There's no movement in his shoulders whatsoever. It's all belly breathing. So you can do the same thing by four minutes a day, but they don't do it. And I, I never understood it. They go to drugs, PEDs, they, whatever they use, you know, to put more oxygen into your body. Uh, what is it called? EPO. You know, all very dangerous stuff, apparently, because if you do that, some of these guys, what I hear, you have to wake up in the middle of the night. And you have to go in a treadmill because otherwise your heart might stop. I go, woof. Do you really want to be a champion like that, you know, by starting to cheat? This is all natural, and it changes your life completely. What it does for PTSD, if you go to the website, o2trainer.com, there's a, a tab on there, science, it's called, um, and there's published medical journals. And these published, me published medical journals, watch what it does. And these are journals that we cannot doctor, right? These are journals, what they say is the truth. And when you go there, because in the beginning people said, oh, you're just making it up. So I'll go to the website, read the published medical journals, and you watch yourself what it does for you. Well, let's put the link below, Rob, for people to go learn more about this when it comes down to breathing. We're going to put the link to both of them. Uh, Bass. Uh, Wait, one second, one second. One second. I need to do. Okay, you can just say it, right? You can always. No, I have time enough. I just have to pee really bad. <laughs> you got to go. Yeah, that's the only thing. I got time enough. I can sit here with all, all you want. I just didn't want to force you anything. No, no, don't worry about it. I got 11 o'clock uh, uh, Zoom myself as well. But no, because I go back and forth, I, got, I, I can sit here and can talk as long as you want. Uh, yeah, I, so you're I, about to, bat, what's happening with Baz right now? Go ahead. Let him know. He's no, no, about he's, to be an official member of. No, the, he's not yet, though. He's holding it. And I'm watching <laughs> no. him saying, he's got to go to the bathroom, but he keeps drinking water. You're like, Baz, why are you drinking water? Boy, my fucking mouth is so freaking dry. Bastard. I just Heavy CBD to go but, to sleep. But but I, but I tell you, man, I really, really enjoyed having you on the podcast. The audience loved the whole uh, uh, listening to you, a uh, different perspective where you're at. I want to say one thing because you Please. both you guys are invited. And uh, Adam, the, who's the, the, the president from Karate Combat, uh, he invites you guys as well. If you want to come to the show next week in Orlando, Florida, oh, it's wow. uh, Karate Combat 37. We have Raymond Daniels, freak of nature. If you see his knockouts, he does knockout a 720 degrees punch. Jumps in the air, makes two pirouettes, knocks him out with the right hook. He does this with kicks. He does with Raga, uh, Rafael Agaev, the guy on the left at the top. He's considered the goat of karate. 11 European titles, five world titles, but uh, won silver at the last Olympics. And both these guys are considered the best in their game. And they're going to compete in the main event. And then you got Owen Chelmia and uh, Jesus Lopez. Well, if you see Chelmia, that's a, that guy is just a phenomenal fighter. He's the champion. He will come forward and he will not stop. He's relentless. But then you get Lopez. You see him every time you see him increasing, getting better. These are Olympic-level karatekas who now fight full contact in a pit that you see there in the background. In Orlando, next week. In Orlando, Florida, at Universal Studios, the back lot right there. Wow. December 17th is a Saturday. It's a day before... The World Cup, and actually, actually, this Saturday you're talking about. This Saturday, that's why I'm saying this is perfect uh, for you guys. Come by, get your VIP tickets, and watch out. I think that Adam sent a whole bunch of 
messages to you through Instagram to invite you as well. Oh, I said, don't worry about it, because he loves the show. He said, man, I'm a huge fan, because he found out yesterday I was going to come on the show. He goes, dude, man, I invited uh, Patrick the whole time, but he never responded. I go, these guys are so busy, man. You don't, uh, you don't even know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, because the 18th, I'm taking uh, 40 people to the Tampa Bay against the oh, okay. Cincinnati Bengals game. Joe Burrow against Tom Brady. But fight what time? There. Seven o'clock. On the 17th. So seven o'clock, uh, 4 p.m. Seven o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Let's see what we can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rob, can you text Karina for her to look at my schedule to see what we can do with this? If we can just go to the fight and come back same night, we'll see uh, uh, what the schedule permits. But boss. Brother, it's an honor, man, to have you here, truly. Thank you very much. It's an much, honor guys. to have you here. I appreciate you for coming. I really enjoyed it. And uh, hopefully we will do this again in the future. That ba- would be great. Boss, before you go, can I just get one, one more? Oh, time. my God. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, I yeah, would yeah, not yeah, mess yeah. with this <laughs> guy. I the, Holy shit. <laughs> Cramping. Look at this. Double. <laughs> double finger. Insane. That middle finger. Okay, though. so, Rob, what do we Respect got this week? We have one more. Uh, home team. Thursday, Thursday home team podcast. Thursday home team. Yep. And then uh, it's off to the races. Yes. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, guys. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye, bye-bye.